Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Horror Hangout, a podcast where two bearded film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington. I sound a bit downbeat. I'm not. I'm happy. Uh, and I'm joined by co-host, always upbeat, Mr. Andy Conduit Turner. Hello, Ben. Hello, everybody else. Hello. Hi there. I'll tell you what, you might have sounded a little bit, you know, you probably sounded a little bit dark and low energy. This is horror hangout after dark, isn't it? We're recording later than we usually do. Yeah, we record horror hangout season. after dark. Is it a bit like Hollyoaks after Holly... dark? We I was can, just about to say the same can, thing. We can say like tits, and there might be a murderer. What, be a, what might, was might be difference? a rob? Might be a Robert Hawthorne getting you in an old swimming pool and stabbing what, you up. What was the difference? Was it literally? Was there some swearing and some? Yeah, I think sex, so. sexy like, stuff. Yeah, but I don't think they did anything overtly sexier because they did swimsuit stuff like all the time on Hollyoaks anyway didn't they like I don't know like, I used to only watch Hollyoaks the om- was it the omnibus on a Sunday on a Sunday, on a Sunday. see what Tony's up to yeah they um yeah it's not like it became a porno or anything when it was Hollyoaks after that they just say like shit off Robert Hawthorne but I think they kind of sold it like that didn't they they sold yeah. it like it was gonna become a porno I mean we can guarantee that Horror Hangout After Dark probably not much different to yeah. a usual like a yeah. standard yeah a standard episode right fairly, fairly liberal with the swearing and stuff anyway aren't we so it's not well the bit of blue for the dads <laughs> yeah. sometimes i have to put the warning on i forget to put the warning on like somebody might a little kid might listen a little impressionable kid i might hear one of us they say fuck me or over bugger. the me over effing and blooming jeffing all, all along yeah i know effing and jeffing I don't... <laughs> stop swearing uh you're fresh off the back of a big old cycle just this past weekend which obviously we mentioned the last couple of episodes all went well you're looking fresh yeah feeling all right you know not doing too badly at all it was lovely really successful raised a lot of money really good race mate raised a little bit of money for the people at social bike to help um you know really break break a cycle of homelessness um you know providing homes and food for people 
Um, thanks to anyone who has sponsored us. We'll throw the link if the links are still open if anyone does want to sponsor. Yeah. So so if people feeling, can can still feeling. donate, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And if you were feeling a little bit doubted saying I don't want to sponsor just yet, because what if the bugger didn't do it? Done it now. Yeah. I've successfully exactly. successfully done it. So you're rewarding work that's already been done, not promise the promise of actions yeah. to come. Um and it was great and it's a worthwhile cause and a lot of fun. Nice bike ride with friends. Had a little biscuit at the end. And where breaks. where was the where was the uh, finish line? Uh, so it was Murrayfield Stadium in in Edinburgh. So the big rugby stadium. Yeah. There. And it was tell you what, you don't feel like a champion. You've done all that riding around the roads and everything, and up some. Don't know if you know this about Scotland, but I'm pretty hilly. Um, you've done some riding on the hills and everything, and then you ride into the stadium through like this big arch onto like the the fields. Like you know, there's the seats all at the stadium is not full. It's not like there's a roaring crowd, but <laughs> there are people there to cheer you and, and greet you in there. And it was lovely, a really, really good event. So I had a great time. Yeah. Sounds amazing. And what kind of biscuit did you have at the end? Um now it depends where you live in Scotland. I call them double biscuits. They're also called Empire Biscuits, they're also called fancy pieces in different areas of Scotland. It's I don't like know two, any of those. I don't know the names of any of those. Two shortbread biscuits. Um, two shortbread, two shortbread biscuits with jam in the middle, like it's a jammy oh. dodger, iced on the top, what? and then just the little piece de resistance, little jelly tot on the top of it as well. What? I've never, I've never heard of this. Is this a look up? Do a Google, people at home. Do a Google for Empire biscuits. You'll find them. Yum, yeah. yum, yum. Ever so nice. Yum, yum, yum. Satisfying. A, a, a worthy reward for a worthy reward for a good time. How good, many miles again? Well um, it's advertised as 60, but I think they had to start with shape. They moved the start line. So according to my watch, 65 miles. What were you going to say? They moved the start line. So in the end, 12 miles. <laughs> no, no, more. more. Moved more. It the hard, move it the harder direction, 65 miles. Oh, dear. Well, you you made it. You're a you're a true hero. Um, don't, I'm not trying to patronize you, um, but well done. Thank you. And uh, worthy calls. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes again. We've done it the last couple of episodes, but uh, if you put the link in the show notes again, you can still donate if you're feeling if yeah. you're feeling generous. If you if you think homelessness is absolute bullshit, then put some money and help people stop stop it happening. Yeah, good um, good stuff. But moving from real life, Horace, Ben, what's in the other horrific news this week? It's only been behind the curtain again a few days since the end of our bumper recording of. Um, Fright Fest content. So, has there been any news that's crept our yeah, way? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, obviously, we put our Fright Fest episode out. Yeah, but I think we'll still um, do some, as I said, there might still be some extra bits of content. Maybe we'll put something out where we sort of discuss, um, maybe on the socials, we talk about what our picks were, just in case anyone didn't, didn't listen to that bumper episode. Because, you know, three and nearly four hours can put some people off. Uh, cowards, we call those people. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it might yeah. not be the first episode of the podcast that they got, and it, and some of the really positive words we've heard as well. So, um, and you know, kind words from from some of the filmmakers who who we obviously linked our episode to, and they were talking to us on Twitter and Facebook, thankful for us talking about their movie. Um, yeah, and hopefully there's more of that, more of that to come. It's a it's a bloody pleasure at the. You know, the distributors, the marketing teams that work on that, putting on a horror event like this is is a huge thing. So thanks to anyone that's engaged with us and helped us watch it from afar. Like, really appreciate mm. your efforts. 
yeah, it was good. It was good fun, and obviously good to chat uh, with Lucy again about everything fright fest. She had a patch. I don't know if you saw, but she had the pass as well. She showed it off. I haven't seen the video, but I have listened to the audio okay. because it was a missing part of my memory, especially as you cut so seamlessly to Lucy. It would have felt strange in my <laughs> mind. The cat. The, it would have yeah. felt strange in my mind to have been part of that conversation, but not recalled what Lucy yeah. said back. So I listened to it the other day. I try. I tried my best to make it look like we're all in the same room, you know. Feels like. Um, it. But then you were just incredibly quiet for like an hour or so. It's like Luke for these last few weeks, I guess. He's, he'll probably speak up in a, in a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, he's here. He's here. He's listening. He's, he's here in person. Uh, sorry, in spirit, not in person. That would be. So, just uh, in terms of mute. horror news, there have been a couple of things. So we didn't talk about the pinhead photo reveal, we did we? Didn't talk about the pinhead photo. No, so there was one photo. And a few others. There was one photo of Pinhead from the new Hellraiser movie, but there was also a couple of others from the movie. But then also today, another photo of Jamie Clayton playing the role of Pinhead. This time, instead of looking like directly at the at the camera, she's looking up and to her right at something. You know, who knows what it could be up there? A balloon, a giraffe, uh, a giraffe. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I reckon it looks about. Yeah, you, I reckon you'd be looking up at a giraffe from there. What's that giraffe doing? Um, exactly. So, obviously, we've only had images. We haven't had a trailer yet. I'm assuming we'll get a trailer at some point soon because October the 7th is when it's released on Hulu. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where else that's going to go. I think Prey was on Hulu, and that ended up going on Disney Plus Disney in the Plus. UK. So we'll, see how it, we'll see how it comes out of here. But we Hellraiser must... on Disney Plus? Hopefully, they won't do that awful thing where it, in this day and age, Ben, true horrors when something comes out in one territory ages before others. So weird. Yeah, um, that's a bit annoying, isn't it? Yeah, I hope it just comes out pretty much day and date, hopefully, so we can get and enjoy it. Yeah, but but still looks interesting, you know? It looks like they've gone for, um, of course, the pins in the head. <laughs> are are still there but other than that like the design looks very original unique there's a lot of um looks almost like the sort of scarification bits of exposed flesh and creepy stuff it almost looks a bit this sounds a bit silly but there was one another character called <laughs> there was another like cenobite that was in a shown in another image and kind of looks like a the skin of a face like stretched across some sort of like skull shaped frame i don't know they kind of look it looks very irobot-y and now i've said that i can't stop looking at this picture of pinhead and thinking that's just bloody irobot that is well swiss gonna I, wander into the screen any minute irobot puzzle box um yeah i'm looking forward to this the only thing i've seen apart from those pictures there's the the um the really short teaser that looks like uh that some people have been dubbing the law and order music over the top of right because has the font <laughs> yeah Law and order. Celebrate. Hellraiser edition. Hellraised. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it should be. It should be good. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, the last we did what? Well, I'm not sure if you did actually, but the last Clive Barker adaptation. I watched um, Books of Blood, which was. I, I want to say pretty naff. I remember not enjoying it, but I don't remember anything about it. You I even, think it was even before I was it. with you guys every week, but I think I remember, didn't it kind of pour a bit of cold water on Luke's prediction of a Clive Barker, Clive Barker resurgence? Resurgence. Yeah. resurgence. This, might been... be, this might be back. 
This might be the one, yeah. He's, he's so ahead of the curve, Luke Condor, that he's predicting resurgences even before they officially get going. So he predicted the resurgence, but even a, even a failure is included within yeah. that. He's he that knew. good. He knew the circular, the, the circular nature of it all. It was going to be bad. <laughs> he's that damn good. Um. So yeah, apart from that, got some other new... I don't know if we spoke about this, because this was actually revealed a couple of weeks ago. Is this Killer Clowns from Outer Space... The game. Oh no, you didn't. For that? This. Tell me all about it. Well, it it was revealed during I can't remember what it was. It was revealed during like a sort of promotional thing for for games fairly recently. I don't know if it was something to do with the Game Awards, possibly. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making that up. Um, but yeah, it looks pretty interesting. Again, does it look like because it's the um because it's a horror franchise being made into a game? Are we literally just looking at four versus one? um not no more of that. scenario I, I think the the thing is it's doing well people people seem to enjoy it dead by daylight is obviously huge that might be why they keep leaning into that and i see that evil dead is still adding characters to the game like as we speak like the characters from the 2013 evil dead movie and asterisk is evil dead are being added now as well so clearly it's it's popular so but yeah the directors have been talking about it as well it wouldn't uh, be hard to satisfy me with that type of thing, though. All I would need is bot matches so I can properly play offline, which they tend to patch into this type of thing forever later. I want bot matches and just give me a little picture and a screen of text when I finish that character's, in inverted commas, story, like, yeah. like games of old. I'd happily just grind through lots of um, like bot matches and that. It's just playing with other people on the internet that I can't stand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, these it's the Chiodo brothers who I think are helming this game, and they said they hope it's going to be a reawakening of the franchise. Um, maybe it satisfy people's yearning for more killer clowns from outer space. You know, more because the new licenses and merchandising going on. You know, whether that means you know potentially there could be a new. If it's if it's you you predicted a killer clowns resurgence again. It seems like a a film that's got a very loyal sort of fan base, and it's a. Quite a, got quite a cult following as well. Um, we've obviously never covered it on this podcast, so it's definitely it's got it's had some requests. Friend of the show, Danny Taylor, my old friend of many years, has asked yeah. if we can do it sometime. Um, I think uh, it's on the official list of it's on the list. We just haven't scheduled it in. We just maybe this would be the perfect time to think of a time for it to go in there. Yeah, um, maybe. Well, we could. We, I'm sure we could squeeze it in towards the end of the year. Can you believe September now? How does that make you feel? Oh, downhill to like, horror Christmas and then actual Christmas, I guess, from here. <laughs> horror Christmas, followed by actual Christmas. Oh, horror Christmas, then Guy Fawkes Christmas, mm. then American Turkey Christmas. Oh, yeah. Then, forget about that one. And then um, and then Christmas Christmas. Jesus I forget Christmas. about American Turkey Christmas every time. Every time it says, it's American Turkey Christmas, I go, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Every year gets me. Oh, I mean, for over, for over here where we're not thankful for things, um, then I, I guess it's stores that are saying, have a Black Friday deal. Yeah, that's, be, that's basically the same, isn't it? Are you thankful? I'm pretty thankful. Well, if you're that thankful, why don't you buy this massive TV that you don't need for a price which is really only 5% cheaper than it was two weeks ago? I'll tell them about it. Cost of living these days now, though, Ben. That's that's real life horrors. We won't touch on that. It'll be here all night. 
we will have to be a whole new section of the show. It's, yeah, real life, real, real life horrors, existential dread hour. Um, <laughs> anything else in the news? I saw uh, a little bit of uh, Dead Space is announcing its platforms. It's coming. Oh, to yeah. Never closer. Next year, January? Yeah, it's not too far, but basically the consoles you would expect it to be on. Blooming yeah, the there's new, no massive the surprises. They've not pulled out a Dreamcast release or anything no, like that. It's not coming out on the Game Boy Color, I'm afraid. But um, Devastated. The only other piece bits. of news I've got is about a movie called Troll being released on Netflix. There is a trailer and it's going to debut on the 1st of December. It's a Norwegian monster movie. Um, of course it is. From... Oh, what a great name. Roar Utag. Apparently it involves somehow in Tomb Raider. I don't know if you're the director of the last Tomb Raider movie. Um, when an ancient troll is awakened in a Norwegian mountain, a ragtag group of heroes must come together to try and stop it from wreaking deadly havoc. Don't wreak deadly havoc, for God's sake. Uh, those heroes better come together and stop it, then, I'd imagine. Yeah. And we've got a pretty interesting-looking poster. It's some climbers climbing up what looks like a craggy old rock face. You never guess what. It's a bloody troll, isn't it? It's a troll's face. Not yeah. a rock face, a troll rock face. You squint your eyes, it kind of looks a bit like Willem Dafoe. Okay. Maybe not actually. Sorry, Willem Dafoe, that's really mean. I'm kind of just... Trolls, goblins, you know, they're all the same. I shouldn't say that, that's incredibly brutal. That's, that's profiling, yeah. That's profiling, isn't it? yeah, that's not fair. That's not on. Uh, yeah, so that is... That's pretty much it for news. Um, I know it's really only been a few days since we chatted Fright Fest, but have you seen anything significant? I've seen a couple of things, Ben. I have what? Well, one thing I've got coming up very soon. Um, I guess it's a transition to news to what I'll soon be watching. Um, the good folks over at DCA um, in oh. Dundee have extended a kind invite. They're doing some screenings of sort of Gen Z horror that's coming up for release very soon. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Um, yeah. I am going to be joining them to see it end of next week. Get my eyes around that. I think uh, John Crinan, patron against his will, is going to come and join me for a little bit of a cinema trip. Patron against his will. Occasional yeah. co-host. Uh, friend of the show and all round lovely man. Right, horror dude. Yeah, we're going to go and see um, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies together. Give you a little bit of bonus content and tell you all about that. But we'll have another episode between now and then because it's end of next week. Oh, okay. But, oh, you know, oh, as we're, as we're talking, bonus content as well. Very as nice. we're talking about this in advance, though, they're selling screenings now. If you are a horror fan who is Scotland adjacent, um, anywhere near Dundee, Screening's available now oh. for that. I think it's a fairly limited release, so get yourself yeah, some I think tickets. it is a limited release. I, I was checking when it was coming out, and I can't seem to see any local oh, screenings. Yeah. I'm going to have to get myself out to Dundee, aren't I? Yeah, if you're in around Dundee, whether you're Ben or anyone else listening, come and, yeah. come and see me. If you're at the same screening as me, come and say hello. Book the seat between Andy and John. If you could. Yeah. Otherwise, if you're chatting on, we've got to catch up today. Um, other than that, though, I watched um, Beyond the Gates. Um it is a uh, like a fairly independent horror movie. It was one that was recommended to us by former guest Emily Booth when we were talking about it. I think she had. Hmm. Uh, we weren't sure whether we were watching Beyond the Gates or The Gate, the film we did eventually watch, or The Beyond. I think there's yeah, a lot of crosswires. There's on. a lot of crosswires there, but Beyond the Gates, a combination of both of those titles, um, 
leans into a great horror vehicle um, in the sense that it's about one of those video board games, like Atmosphere. Oh, okay. Um, so it's about a young, a couple of uh, brothers whose relationship is a little distant. Um, after the death of their dad, they go to clear out his shop and the video shop that he used to run and their property as they liquidate the assets. And they find this game beyond the gates and horror ensues. Uh, Barbara Crampton is in it as like the ah yeah I as like that. the atmosphere host of the of the video. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Wow. Okay, that, that sounds good. I think fun. I think I was quite keen to see that, and I didn't know much about it other than the poster. Um, but even from that, it it was intriguing. So yeah. Um, I've also seen a 1979 horror film called prophecy um it has subjects of the environment in there it's about a environmental investigating officer that looks to investigate the impact of a of a piece of woodland on a paper mill that's nearby and reports of it damaging the woodland and i tell you what things aren't all right in there Ben, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. And I was watching it, feeling okay. It's a film of its age. There is an off-screen animal that's making attacks of some kind, fairly brutal. And then I and I sent you a clip of it earlier. Yeah, there is one scene in this movie where I sat up and gasped a hand to my mouth <laughs> in a kill that is as out of nowhere and incredible <laughs> as. Things like the basketball kill from Deadly Friend, from <laughs> Welcome to Primetime, bitch. A kill of that magnitude in 1979's wow. Prophecy. If you're finding it hard to seek out and see in its entirety, I would invite anyone to have a look on the platform that is YouTube and just do a search for Prophecy Sleeping Bag Kill. They will There's be... a sleeping bag kill in front of the fair team, isn't there? I think this sleeping bag kill even rivals... That oh, one. okay. Uh, what? yeah. Look at look at that sleeping bag kill video. Um, it is forty five seconds of your life that you will be absolutely glad that you spent on. <laughs> I need to. You sent me the link, and it was one of those where I was like, "Yeah, look at that in a minute." I'll tell you what, Ben. I still have I, I I can fill for you while I talk about death. While I talk about my nap last thing, while you watch it, if you want, grab your phone. You're allowed to use your phone while I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> I will, in in the short term. While while Ben is while Ben is looking at that, and we'll get his live reaction shortly. Um, the other thing I've been playing, uh, not watching, but playing with my hands and my eyes because it's a interactive medium. There they are. Is Death's Door. So um, uh, okay, yeah. Um, I know Luke could already play Luke this. Played that, it. yeah. It's got like a nice bit of kind of a classic Legend of Zelda feel. So you're going, you're getting new abilities that allow you to explore and unlock other areas. You are cute little crow going around it's got almost a ghibli feel to some of it as well in some of the character design going around and uh working as a little grim reaper reaping the souls of these large uh creatures that have refused to give up on their lives and go into the peace of death so you go and do that work for them to collect their souls um it's a really fun little game very sweetly made by a fairly small independent team and i'm really enjoying it. i'm just in the post game now I can see Ben, your reaction. You've finished the. Uh... I mean, I mean, I was listening to you and watching at the same yeah. time. I don't want to be rude. What even happened? 
there's a big there's a big horrible monster isn't it and then but what it, happened did someone just get flung flung towards a rock and then obliterated <laughs> obliterated game over what is the monster down. sorry i don't want to spoil this movie for anybody um, but okay like spoiler warning for for prophecy it's a big horrible bear that's been mutated resident evil style by horrid chemicals um yeah, and it's got like hell of a right hook, I guess, because it's just obliterated a man in, in a sleeping bag. Why do you try and get away by just hopping along? He hops along like a little banana in there, and then he's <laughs> absolutely pulverized like a, by this bear. A good monster movie, good good creature um, effects. Then would you say? Uh, I wouldn't say it's got very good creature effects. It's kind of Godzilla <laughs> man in suit level when you see the big when you see it close up. Yeah. Um, but it gets surprisingly brutal as it all escalates towards the uh, all escalates towards the end with a big horrible horrible bear and meshes of environmentalism which we should take seriously in this world of a fragile environment and sustainable. Yeah. Well, and what, what what's going to get you more uh, interested in environmental issues than a big mutated grizzly bear? I'm just looking at. I mean, it looks pretty good, you know. I mean, it's just screenshots, but I'm thinking it looks. The thing. Oh, it's horrible. It's not yeah. good as the feed, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's um it's a horrible bear. And um there's oh. lots of comments about that on how it affects the wider food chain as well. So it's not just about the bear, it's the horror she that lives. lies within. Don't move, don't breathe, there's nowhere to run. She will find you. Lady bear, is it? Yeah, it's a lady bear. And there's little and there's little baby bears that have been mutated as how well. How did you find horrible. out about this this film? It was just on a list from a long time ago. Like whenever I encounter something, I see a review of something. I see a little clip of something on a top ten horror movies. I'll make a note of it. Um, yeah. Prophecy was one of those. I'm getting on the watch on the watch list. I like a monster movie. Yeah. Um, Check and I out. Like a, and I like a sleeping bag based kill, and it definitely does rival. I literally gasped when I saw that. <laughs> it comes from You're nowhere. Like, my sleeping bag. That's my favourite sleeping bag. Yeah, that's all I've been watching and doing, Ben. Have you watched anything else? I mean, I've not really watched anything else. Um, I kind of had a pretty busy weekend. I watched some WWE wrestling live. Of course, you've been to the wrestling live. Cardiff. Yeah, that was, that was good fun. Um, enjoyed that, enjoyed myself. It was... It's it's a it's a weird thing, you know. Seeing it, I, I, we had a pretty good view, but you know, seeing wrestlers that I've never seen before in the flesh, who I kind of like grew up watching, like Edge and Rey Mysterio, was a was a bizarre experience. But yeah, I, I did really enjoy it. Um, it's uh very still very entertaining, even though I don't watch it as much as I used to. Still a good time. Um, you find but, that you're is it like a soap opera and you're a little bit out of the loop with the story so you just yeah it's like that with, yeah was, I'm come like, who's this uh, this is who's this new character come up with uh, generic chance because you don't know the current ones so you're just like wrestling wrestling <laughs> but there were a lot of people that kind of i'd already known so i had definitely had a preference of who won and stuff but uh yeah that was that was good fun and then the only other thing i've watched this week is only episode one not episode two yet of the rings of power which is the Lord of the Rings Amazon Prime TV series, which cost what like ninety billion dollars, something oh, like no. that, seven hundred and fifty million, I think, per episode. Is that right? Something like it's, that. It's an obscene amount of money per episode. It can't be per episode, surely. Maybe just the whole show. I don't know. No, I think it is like that much money per episode. Which this is going to seem unfair because I was a big Lord of the Rings fan. I didn't really bother with the Hobbit because I think Hubris got them and they made three mm. films when they could have done it two as a push. Um, yeah. But um, 
yeah, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this at some point, and I'm keen to enjoy it. But actually, knowing that this huge expenditure has gone into it, yeah, like I, I'm not sure how it makes me feel going into it. Like, I think, oh. yeah, I don't know. It's one of these things where <laughs> could have built bloody hospital with that money. <laughs> could have built bloody few hospitals. Well, maybe not a few. I don't know. I don't know how far money goes anymore, Andy. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> but I think once I get to know the characters a bit more, I'll probably enjoy it more i mean as a visual spectacle sure it looks great but it still kind of has that peter jackson uh look and sheen about it which is kind of i don't know because i don't think he's involved in any way so unless they're trying to kind of like keep a visual con- continuity within it so that people can make the direct connection between lord of the rings and i don't know any of the characters in it i know there is like eminem sauron um, well, I don't know about that, see, because I think from a trailer we thought it was going to be Eminem Sauron, but now a lot of people are saying that isn't him in the trailer, someone else. That's like a that's like a Stan character. That this is kind of weird because it's, like, letters. it's done that prequel thing again, Andy, where it's gone. This is the origin of someone. Ooh, Sauron. Years ago, there was a guy called Sauron. Oh yeah, what's his origin? He was just right. knocking about. He already right? was. Yeah, he already, already was. He, he already like, exists. He's like the non live again. And I should I should correct myself there. Thank you, Ben. That it is Sauron. Sauron is the Pterodactylman from the Savage Land in X Men. Who got it who got it wrong then? I don't know. Who said it, it was wrong? it was me. I called it him was you. I called him Sauron, the Pterodactyl Sauron, from and I said Sauron. The Savage Land. You said Sauron, which I think is correct. Uh, well, who knows? Maybe neither of us are. And there's if, a third if, pronunciation. Well, to be fair, if the internet's anything to go by, you've got to get these things right because those Lords of the Rings fans will come after you if it's not perfect. They'll come after you and they'll they'll bat you to death. Obviously, there's been some discourse about the um, nationalities and uh, the skin colour of various characters. I, I don't know how much discourse there has been because obviously you kind of see it and it's kind of blown up online isn't it like there might just be a handful of people who are annoyed about it but yeah it is fantasy and <laughs> and let's just not be silly now yeah um, let's not be silly let's remember that we are just tiny specks of consciousness on a rock that's hurtling through space yeah. Um, it's pretty mad on planet save, Earth, you know. Yeah. The, the save, save, yeah, save your energy to ever care about something that's important. Like build a fucking hospital. Put your energy into that. Yeah, I like it. That's the point you're making. And I'm going jellyfish. Yeah, build, build, build buddy hospital. Fucking sucker fuck if that bothers you. Like, um, like yeah, like it could be. Yeah, I I really want to watch it. Like I really want to get into it. The only criticism sucker I've heard. Fuck. The criticism that I have heard is that maybe the first episodes are a little lore heavy, so maybe I will wait. Yeah, there's like a until prequel prologue. Get on there's it. a prologue which is quite lore heavy. There's a lot of like maps and and words appearing on screens, expecting expecting you to like remember where these places are. But like these places are outside of Middle Earth as well, so it's quite difficult to to um to understand. But also, maybe it's good that they don't include characters we're familiar with because you know that that representation of that character might be not to anyone's um best 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 sort of pleasing but then also the lead actress playing um what's her name Gal- galadriel yeah. i always get that name wrong is the actress from saint maud sorry I've, I've not got your name in front of me i remember it being a quite difficult to pronounce name so i don't want to be that idiot who does that but she was great in saint maud and she seems great and she's got like a really sorry her name is morphid clark there you go um she's got a very steely sort of 
something about just like something about the way she looks. <laughs> Sorry, there's something about the way she kind of like you know someone who can like stare through you without really doing much. Yeah, he's got it. Ryan Gosling's got it. Uh, Avril Lavigne's got it. Avril Lavigne's definitely got it, but she's we all know she's a clone of the original Avril Lavigne anyway, and re- replaced the original Avril Lavigne. <laughs> we know that, right? We're all on board with that. I've not uh, heard that one. No, that one. Is she a clone? Or I think she's just a replacement. Anyway, um, we're definitely living in a in a matrix simulation. I had the ultimate. I, I was queuing to get a drink um, somewhere the other day, and there was one woman serving the queue next to me, and one woman serving me, and they were identical. I'm not talking identical twins here, right? I'm not talking identical twins. I had a moment where I had an out of body experience because so I was looking at these two these two ladies. I mean, they were twins, but they had the same glasses, the same hair tied back exactly the same. And even their collar seemed to be like sort of twisted and folded in exactly the same direction. I was like, that's a copy and paste scenario. All Avril Lavigne clones. There is no way that that they are just twins who have happened to be working the same shift for the same company and end up on the till next to each other. I'm not buying it. Someone's getting sacked for that. Someone in the Matrix... What's he? What's his job? Um, <laughs> the architect. Oh, what's his name? Oh, the actor. Hugo Weaving. No, the new one. Um, the Neil new Patrick one. Harris. Neil oh, Patrick Harris is in oh, ever yeah. since trouble. For I don't remember time. that guy's name. Um. Oh well. But apart from that, you've been apart watching from that. Watching the signs. That's it. Yeah. So um, the signs or just signs if you're feeling special um i did watch this a few weeks ago because so the reason we decided to watch this movie this month is because it recently celebrated 20 a 20 year anniversary um and i put a couple of things out on socials just a couple of like a certain moments from this film where i was like i've never been the same since this moment and so many people like sometimes some people interact with me online you know get a few little interactions this was unbelievable. People, people going crazy for signs. People are loving signs. They're saying yes, Ben. This yes, you're correct. It's too. terrifying, and I also love this bit and this bit and this bit. And this is why this film's great. And I think, in terms of the rank, in terms of like the overall scope of M Night Shyamalan's career, it's often I think is often a, a it's often overlooked. People talk about Sixth Sense. People talk about Unbreakable. Um, and then Signs is kind of, I think it gets left behind a bit because as a, as a film, it's like some people don't quite consider it a horror. People consider it like a sort of science fiction based drama or something like that. But I'm definitely more scared by all the moments in this film than I am in Sixth Sense. Yeah, I think this is a scarier movie with more threat. And I know that isn't how you define horror necessarily, but I think this is quite a, incredibly tense sometimes quite frightening film whereas in sixth sense the ghosts just want you to do some admin for them really yeah i mean so, if you're scared you know, of little, vomit little, there's like little, a vomiting ghost or yeah a little boy under the table going oh my mom's poisoning me yeah no thanks <laughs> all right get over it will you? you're dead already get over it she's been putting a tiny bit of poison in your soup every day for the last six months heavy metal poisoning um i'll get you um but apart from that um yeah i i think when you look at m night Shyamalan's like entire movie career i mean don't don't get me wrong 
sure he's doing fine. I think he's probably fabulously wealthy, is a well-respected film creator. Um, so he doesn't need me. He's already got a new movie on the way out, isn't he? He, um... he, he doesn't need me to help him out and say, like, <laughs> leave him alone, will you? I think he took a, a bit of flack for a period in his career because his first few movies were like you know his first few so good. widely released movies were so influential so were, you know so well received such talking points um for the general zeitgeist at the time that when he went on to deliver to an extent the village to a greater extent lady in the water and then you know finally you know his big shot at a hollywood blockbuster when he did the 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 last airbender oh yeah like um fell into criticism when they weren't as impactful as just those those, those first few movies that he released um, yeah but yeah this for me is perhaps one of his best movies yeah no perhaps about it it's one of my absolute favorites yeah i think i've always sort of had such a love for this film um for so many reasons, I think. Uh, so I watched it recently with my daughter just to see her face during a few choice scenes just because they affected me so much. And I think when you do that, when you watch a film with someone, you're like, I can't wait to see how they react to that. You're looking it's at ne- the little faces. Like, it's, never, it's never like what you expect, is it? So, um, But she she enjoyed it. and But I've always like felt this connection to this film where it's like it's more than just a alien invasion movie essentially like it's very single single location it's very like it's a small cast i know we've got supporting players in it as well but there's like mainly it's mainly four people that you spend a hell of a lot of time with but there's so much that it seems to cover it covers like grief um like the nature of faith conflicting ideas surrounding like coincidence yeah those, those ideology pieces i really enjoyed I really enjoyed those moments. And this is when you get um, an M night movie. If I may call him by his first name um, at it, at its best, when you get bits like the payoff of the signs, when everything comes together and all those little pieces will come into it as we go through the plot. Yeah. When they hit just right and, Every little piece of this movie has been designed to hit this one point, this one point where it's all going to drop into place and it's all going to make sense. Just that moment when he, I guess the minute or so that that follows the bit from when he finally realizes about his wife's words and he gives, gives his brother that advice to the glasses of water, to everything oh, in man. the house, the position of objects, <laughs> the actions of characters, they all fall together to be I genuinely think it no might be, like it. It might be one of the best. And you know, some people might say, don't talk utter utter shite. But I think it's in terms of like cinema and in terms of like a thriller slash horror film. This got so many sort of thematic elements. These all of these moving parts constantly, uh, and you know sometimes they're delivered with uh, monologues that maybe feel. I've seen some some criticism aimed at this film, which is like the dialogue's a bit 
like no one speaks like actual human beings in this but i think i mentioned it before like there's something about m night Shyamalan's dialogue that feels a bit otherworldly and like these characters are these characters feel like they're i don't know it in a play or something yeah. rather than rather than like in a in a movie like the way they the way they speak like every word has weight and every yeah. word means something and for, so, when the film progresses those words yeah like, they, they they have a they have a meaning like i couldn't i couldn't agree with you more in that sentiment that it does feel like they're performing a play these are guys that have defined lines it's a it's the work of a storyteller these are these are storied characters and it doesn't take anything away from me to know that things and also like a bit of gravitas and a bit of speech real world real real world um recording here like imagine some of the speeches and some of the the dialogues and the impact and the emotion that comes from some of these some of the deliveries in this film from a number of characters Mm. We live in the real world where our our prime minister like did a final speech and and left his office as of uh, you know as of as of earlier today, um, and um, absolute shite took a minute to thank his dog, do a shit joke by my dog. I like to find a wheat a bit so I had for breakfast this morning. Like uh, to be fair, if done, he should have done any of Mel Gibson's. You know, yeah. him, him, Boris Johnson and Mel Gibson probably cut from the same cloth. But if he did any of <laughs> Mel Gibson's monologues from this, as I would have, I would have given him one solitary clap. Yeah, but yeah, to be, like just to consider that, if you, if what you want and what you expect from realism in your dialogue is for it to be a bit shit, and like you've just phoned it in at the last second, then maybe the problem isn't with the writing of our fiction. It's the actual speeches and actual language. Yeah, should try just a little bit harder not to be shit. Actual human beings, and, actu- and actually right. have yeah. Maybe maybe actual human beings should take another run at the things they're gonna say. I'm gonna do, do- a, a speech at least once a week, right? I don't care who's listening, just in my household. I'll say, right, everybody, sit down. All right, okay, I got something to say. And say so the thing yeah. about tea is that every every leaf in this cup has travelled around the world and been blended. For this very moment, to give you a oh, you taste should... of this tea, the energy that you need. I feel like you're you, you should get a job doing adverts for Marks and Spencers. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe I should do maybe that's that. I could do a tea advert though, unlike the yeah. apes that you said. I ain't gonna rip your face off. <laughs> I just think fucking Jeff tips think... in here. <laughs> I just think with this film as well. Like I don't know, I've seen it maybe like maybe nearly 10 times possibly in the, in 20 years, maybe less than that, but you know, it feels like I've seen it a lot. Um, it still gives me goosebumps. Like yeah. that realization of certain moments still gives me goosebumps. And in terms of a um, soundtrack as well, like a score, James Newton Howard, especially that opening, opening theme. Yeah. is amazing. Got your strings like, in there as well. Nice to give John Williams a rest. Give John Williams a little rest, and uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's it's iconic. And again, again, it's kind of a bit annoying that when we talk about like the most iconic movies themes, not necessarily just horror, but science, this doesn't get mentioned enough. I think it's, I think it's amazing. It's and, a really, uh, really good soundtrack, and they bring this soundtrack in at all of the the right moments. 
I'll give you one more aside then before we get into the proper intro and do some of the plot and talk about the people in it. But um, you talked about those key moments. I have a an ongoing memory of not even watching this film. I wasn't even watching the film myself directly at the time. I was at my friend's house. We were going out to hang out for an evening. We were playing some video games. He was in the flat that they he rented with his girlfriend at the time. We were playing some video games and having a bit of a catch-up. She was watching TV in the other room and was watching The Signs. She'd never seen The Signs before. We were both big fans. You recommend, recommended go and, go, and watch, go and watch Signs. So she was sitting there watching there. You know, we were in and out, having a chat between, between, between rounds of the game, popping her head in, seeing how she's getting in, just a casual evening. And my friend had kept the track on where the film was going along and it got to that key scene when Meryl is uh, watching the children and we see a, that look of the alien come across the room. Um, and as we see, as what uh, his girlfriend described as the stretchy green man, walk across that screen at the same time, my friend picked that moment to run into the room and I go, Whoa! and there were <laughs> yeah. screams that erupted stretchy from that man. room. Out of the way, children. Vamanos. And then the stretchy green man steps across and I will remember her reaction it was like that perfect like the tunnel between reality because you have the people in the scene of that that are filming it and then that has been captured and it is being shown on tv to Joaquin Phoenix reacting to it on screen coming one step further back the sixth wall by this point and it is then yeah her watching this movie, watching someone react to something that he is seeing on television. It's like YouTube. being afraid. Yeah. There are so many moments. I mean, that is... invented Gogglebox. Who knows? (laughs) That is the moment, obviously. But Alien alien on the house, um, little leg in the cornfield, hand coming under the pantry door, um, and then the whole finale as well. Like, moments that... We don't see, you know, even 20 years later, people might look at this and say, that alien don't even look right. Don't even look real. It's not aliens. Aliens aren't real. That's what I'll tell you. I'll say aliens aren't real. They're interdimensional beings, not space aliens. How do we know that they don't look like they're made of CGI? All right. Uh, All of that is just this film that just feeds you these tiny little crumbs all throughout the film. And you expect like, I don't know what you expect from seeing the poster. You might think, oh, there's going to be a scene where we see a spaceship fly down and you know, laser beams and maybe a tanks firing at it or something like that. It is just such a, such a like, what word am I search, searching for here? Such a like personable, personable sort of um, experience of an alien invasion um, at such a, so at, right at ground level as well. Yeah. It's but, a very kind of intimate encounter. In, that's the word I was thinking. In, a, in yeah. a world where this is happening all over the world. But you don't have Tom Cruise running about and punching on. You don't have Will Smith getting punching in his. On. You don't have Will Smith getting in his, um, you know, little little captured alien spaceship with Jeff Goldblum and flying up to the mothership, which is compatible with Windows. Welcome 95. to Earth. Yeah, he punches on as well. You know, he yeah. goes thumping aliens, then uploading Windows ninety five viruses to blow them all up in space on a floppy like, disk. I don't know. Yeah. Is it? No, I think they just use a modem connection. Just wire it in. Just wire it in, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be fine. 
yeah. alien. It'll blow up all the spaceships. Don't worry about it. Well, it's called USB because it's a universal. So, of course, God. there yeah. we go. That's the main um, thing. So, whack the USB and you get that done. But yeah, we see this really intimate experience of this single family. Mm. Um, you know, in a more franchise-heavy world, you could easily have seen um, the events of other people around the world. But times two, yeah. More signs. I just think in the hands of like a different director, and of course it's M. Night Shyamalan's movie because he's written it as well, so it's not just like um, this, a studio have assigned him as director, but you know, in the hands of a different director, one of the characters is given a baseball bat and he smashes up some aliens, right? Easy as that. You don't have to hear anything else, but in this movie, we get such we get such a story about like why he's given a baseball bat, how his life has changed that he's no longer a baseball player and this sort of connection between um obviously graham hess's wife um watching him swing and just all of that stuff just every every as you said everything descends everything just falls so well into place yeah there is not a single prop moment word look in this film that isn't entirely intentional yeah i agree with that right okay yeah. I, I will... so well put together I will just introduce the movie then, even though we've discussed it for a little while now. But Signs is a 2002 American science fiction horror film written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, so it stars... So no, wait. It focuses on a former priest named Graham Hess, played by Mel Gibson, who discovers a series of crop circles in his cornfield and thinks that the phenomenon is a result of extraterrestrial life. Also stars Joaquin Phoenix, Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin. Um... Yeah, so we've got some choice reviews here. So, oh, wait, so first, a 6.8 on IMDb, 3.4 on Letterboxd, 75% critic score, 67% audience score. Naughty Julie Norwood. Don't can't confirm or deny if she's naughty or not. She says, so she gives it five stars, deliciously dark and foreboding, enough tension to choke a horse. The build-up was slow but gaining traction, methodical and terrifyingly relentless. Uh, David Sims, slightly different, three stars. Peak Shyamalan. This film is well acted and touching and lovely. There's not one line of dialogue that feels remotely natural. The ending is goofy as shit. I think that was the that was the review that I read before about the the uh, dialogue being a bit dodge. Um, and then that was David Sims. Don't know if I said that. Jack gave it three and a half stars. The feeling when you're waiting for the famous Shyamalan twist and the smartass decides to not include a twist. Because that in itself is a twist. I aspire to be as legendary as him one day. Played me like a deck of cards. I feel violated. Like a deck of cards. Absolutely played me like a deck of cards. Look at that. He shuffled you. He shuffled you right up. Um, I mean, I agree with pretty much all of that. I don't... I The dialogue comment, I know we've already mentioned it, but I get it. And I think I've even said that. Maybe in the review that me and Luke did of the movie Old, I say me and Luke. I don't think you were there for that, were you? No, I wasn't there. I haven't been. To, I haven't discussed the beach that makes you get old. Yeah, that bloody old beach. Um. Yeah, so I think I maybe said something similar then that the uh, dialogue is a bit dodgy in that, but like, it's not dodgy like where you're like, this is terrible. It's just weird. It just feels odd. It just feels not quite right but it almost feels like you're witnessing this play or you're wit witnessing this 
weird otherworldly um event play out in front of you um and i i like it i think in terms of in terms of cinematically i think it really works because there there's like it's weird it's, it's weird to describe it like this because i do not feel like this in some other ways but it feels like there's there's a wall or like a a clear wall like a piece of perspex between you and the characters and you're kind of just you're just put you're just peering in and watching the things that are happening so you feel like you're right there but there's still this like there's still this barrier between you and the characters you feel like this separation, that this the, the like like i think you nailed it earlier when you said it's like you're watching a like a play you're watching a performance of the hmm. of this role but yeah it doesn't it doesn't take me out of it really i got a lot yeah. of time for it but um yeah what do you think of the cast here all star right pretty well yeah so the cast is mel gibson plays father graham hess he's a farmer and a former priest i thought that's two quite intense things to take on in your life i'm a farmer yeah, if oh, you're yeah. a farmer probably working a six days a week and then guess what happens on the seventh <laughs> oh yeah that's yeah you ain't got a day off good church um, so obviously it's key it, the key plot point here is he's a former priest and his wife, Colleen, died six months prior. Mm-hmm. Um, so his brother, Merrill, lives on the farm as well. Um, as we understand, he came and sort of like moved in after, after his Colleen wife died. His um, wife as died. sort of like a support network um, and also looking at helping look after the kids as well, I guess. He's a former minor league baseball player. Rory Culkin's Morgan Hess. He's the son. He's, how would we say, he is eight or nine? Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe 10. Yeah. And then Abigail Breslin plays Bo Hess, who's like what five? Yeah, little five or six. Kids, five or six. She's a daughter. Um, she's got a bit of a, I don't want to say phobia. She's got a bit of a thing about her drinking water. Yeah, it describes it like a. She, I think Morgan describes it like a tick, except it's like a tick, not really. Yeah. She has a I'm habit. I'm not sure if that's she... something that happened after the death of her mum, because you know sometimes behavioural things like this can be, uh, caused by going through like trauma such as that so maybe it is i don't know if they mention it and then there, there is a supporting cast as well so cherry jones is a local police officer m night Shyamalan, m night himself 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 i don't know why i turned into sean connery then <laughs> m night himself um, <laughs> is ray ready a veterinarian who and obviously yeah we'll get into it is the man responsible for colleen's accidental death um yeah and we get a brief scene where all of the family go from the farm into like the town and we meet some other interests. But again, even that that's like what 20 minutes of the movie, but I really enjoyed that sort of being, being introduced to all of these characters in this small town. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's really nice. I've just been taking a look at the screen at some of the, you know, the, the characters here and what they've gone on to do. I entirely neglected to realize, and I did not see the connection, but now I've seen, it, I cannot un, I now recognize it immediately and kick myself and not get the Abigail Breslin is of course uh from Zombieland. Yeah, yeah, she is. Um so it was Little know. Miss Sunshine, I think, after this, where which which kind of catapulted her, her towards fame. Yes. And I think she was also she's also in the screen TV series as well, I believe. Oh, I don't but, yeah. No, I, I should have remembered it. Watch her from Zombieland. Series. And Rory Culkin, of course, speaking of Scream, is in Four Cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Screefum. Screefum. 
Yeah, don't want to spoil that, but yeah, a very significant role in that film as well. Yeah. Everyone's, you know, everyone's at the top of their game here, and you know, Mel Gibson. I think Mel Gibson. You have to kind of mention it because obviously this is a this is an actor who was a huge huge star of the late 80s early 90s in particular right like a huge action character a huge you know force in directing of things like that as well passionate christ yeah obviously a controversial character in his in in his personal life and it's one of those things where maybe it has reached the point where it colors how you see his performance in things. I, I certainly know that it might relate to some of the casting choices that are made for him today, you know, with the controversy surrounding him and the, the you know, the views he's expressed and that puts people off. Mm. Um, you know, again, this film, as far as I understand, and, you know, things are a blur. These are things in the past. I'm not sure what the status of Mel Gibson was in terms of controversy at the time this came out. But watching this back, I did pause and think, such a shame that, you know, that those things happened. And, you know, rightly so, there are consequences of doing and saying terrible things that they have an impact on your career. But at his height in these movies, you know, yeah, personal points aside, acts the shit out of some of these points. I think he makes some really has some really compelling moments of of great acting in this. Yeah, when you mentioned directors, oh, Apocalypto is a absolute banger as well. It? And I know try and um, separate the art from the artist. Uh, uh, sometimes, sometimes you can't. But you know, I think I think it really depends what that person has done and you know not making any excuses for the people he's offended and the things he's done in his life since this movie but like the um yeah i I reflected on it for a moment thinking like it's a shame that he is widely regarded as a very controversial figure because he's a good he puts in a great performance here yeah i think uh he was in a movie this year wasn't he like some sort of santa claus quite recently yeah and there's some sort of straight to don't want to say straight to DVD that sounds that I've seen I've seen his face on a lot of like action movie posters um fairly recently um going this going a similar way as Bruce Willis I believe or Bruce Willis has called it a day on his career recently uh see what yeah, I liked but... with um with 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 Mel Gibson like ransom where he shouts at Gary Sinise on the phone oh, those times yeah, I forgot about that one. Gives my son. No, you gives my money. Gives <laughs> my bloody money, mate. How dare you? Um. So, and obviously, Joaquin Phoenix is. This is before he's taken on any like major roles where he's looked, sort of been the lead in the film. I think so. Obviously, Gladiator was two thousand and one. This was two thousand and two. So, I think Gladiator was the first major. It's the first thing I was aware of. Yeah. It, certainly. So this was before he became like such a sort of powerhouse leading man, but still really, really good performance. So the setup is that we kind of start with all of these characters on the farm. It's, um, does he just wake up? He wakes Graham up. Hess, wakes up up and he, screaming. 
Yeah, he wake. Yeah, he wakes up and hears screaming and things going on, and you can see he's immediately worried. Oh, I'd be annoyed by that, wouldn't you? Uh-huh. I go right. Even if you're seeing, even if someone's going on at our kids, come back to the house and quietly wake me up and tell me. Don't start screaming because I'm going to wake up all panicked that something yeah, terrible has yeah. happened. And terrible yeah, things been... happen in this film, but this this initial instance isn't one of those. If you're living out there on the farm, there's only one noise you want to be waking up to early in the morning. It's not screaming. Cockadoodle do or fuck off is Big what you cock. want. <laughs> yeah. Cockadoodle. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I feel about waking up to that. Obviously, if you're on a farm, it's just a given. If you've got a cock knocking about. Yeah. You've got, if you if haven't, you... you'd be you'd be freaked right out if that was what woke you up. If you want to be if you've got <laughs> Big old cock on your farm. And these big Rhode Island Reds are gonna be screaming at you every morning. Crack a dawn. Get yourself up. Yeah. Um, um but so no, it's not that. He just runs out. Cockadoodle don't it? more like it's the kids screaming. He runs out, um, and they they finds himself in the middle of, you know, he finds his kids. The kids say that. Oh, the dogs were barking. We woke up and then we've come out and we've seen this. What have you seen? Tilt of the head. Look at these crops. All oh yeah, squashed. he like put he pushes his face in there. Yeah, all squashed, all squashed down. And then we get the, the one area where I feel like the um film maybe shows its age, CGI aside. They've gone a long way with um, digital zoom on things like drone cameras, haven't they, nowadays? Don't, don't they look a bit grainy as it sort of flies away from them? Bloody yeah, that's a big crop circle, and it's pretty massive. Yeah, that, uh, that 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 drone or helicopter they used to film that from was probably like you know, in orbit, having to zoom in, having to zoom in loads. Yeah, um, and we see yeah. the you see the signs, you see the signs. Yeah, a big old uh, a big old crop circle has appeared in the it, cornfield. What do you reckon it'd say if you could read if you could read Alien? It says Mel Gibson lives your. And it's got like a little arrow. No, Mel, Gib- Mel Gibson here pointing a little arrow to him. <laughs> you could read Alien. And then what do you do when you get a crop circle, right? First thing you do, call the police. I guess what else would you do? Your grass. I don't know. I reckon if I saw that, I mean, how they're the only people living there. So they can't have like some sort of genuine corn production line going on, can they? This <laughs> is phone the police. Oi, sheriff. Need to report some fucker's been squashing me corn. The little corn kid would be fuming, wouldn't he? Yeah. These, someone, possibly aliens, have been crushing me cobs right here. They've been crushing me cobs. Is that a euphemism, uh, Mel Gibson? <laughs> yeah. The cob has been absolutely <laughs> crushed to <laughs> dust. Loads this, of is, this is when he's there, is he? You know, he not really crushes my cobs. People killing my wife in a, in a freak accident. People killing my wife. Um, but not quite enough. To, but basically, split my wife in half, but just pinning her together just so I can hear her final words. Really that crushes, crushes my cobs. That crushes my cobs. Um, and also now, um, I, I guess this points in there. He asks the when the sheriff comes to see him, tells him about all sorts of things like the old lady who's twisted her ankle because the skateboard kids have been making a dive for her life. So she starts spitting on all the skateboards. Flobbing on newspapers down at the corner <laughs> shop, and it goes. She must have had a cold because oh, she's there. Pleasant, gozzing on them all. 
Goes um, it on the skateboards. Tony Hawk could be turning in. Oh, Tony Hawk's not dead. <laughs> Tony Hawk could be turning in his grave. What am I on about? I've got to stop using that because I keep using that 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 turn of phrase as a way to describe anyone who's remotely annoyed about something, dead <laughs> or not. Grave. I'd be turning in my grave if that happened to me. What? <laughs> well, you've got a new one now, Ben. Now it's that noise. <laughs> it can be crushing your cobs. My cobs are absolutely crushed. Yeah. yeah. So, it, so basically, this old lady's cobs have been all crushed because of um thingy. So she's she's there gobbing on the newspapers, and um, is she gobbing on the newspapers or the skateboards? I thought she was gobbing on. the Oh skateboards. yeah, it might have been the skateboards or possibly everything. I've had a gut for these skateboards. I'm sick of them. Old people really do hate skateboarding, don't they? Didn't yeah. someone like in America pull a gun on like a kid skateboarding like in the last couple of weeks? Possibly. I haven't seen that that story, yeah. but it wouldn't yeah. get out of here. Um oh yeah, you're gonna murder a kid who's just trying to do some sick grinds. She, she doesn't go she doesn't go that far. She just goes yeah. and gobs on the stuff in the shop. Which, you know, worse remembered like it was a different time. Two thousand two, you could go gob on stuff all you wanted. You could. No one was gonna go use that um hand wash before yeah. you leave. Twenty 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 two. You gotta watch out because gobbing on things is uh, not the friendly banter it once was. Oh, yeah, hate crime, isn't it? Gobbing on go, it, it does spitting count as assault these days. I guess if it's spit full of COVID, probably. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you saw that, didn't you? Like during the during yeah. um, lockdowns and stuff, you know, people be using public transport and excuse in me, general... can you wear a mask and they go, yeah. hey, fuck off. In in general, it's like that. Spitting is the it's, oh, it's, it's the first offence of people who aren't comfortable doing a headbutt. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a spit hood? No. You've not? It's what police use to like... So if there's like a certain um, offender they're trying to apprehend who like is partial to a gauze. So if they're, if they're arresting a camel or a llama, <laughs> alpaca... <laughs> criminal alpaca has been shoplifting from the local co-op Spit hoods um, on Spit hood. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what like the the rules are regarding it, but I've yeah, you can put a spit hood on someone if you're worried, or you know maybe they've already spat at you and you don't want any more of it. Get the spit hood on them. If you're resting pub, make sure he doesn't <laughs> gobble over you. He seems like the type. Oh, he does. He blows on that screen and writes his name on it every time. <laughs> um. To be fair, yeah. though, on this at this part, we get a, even now we get a lot of nice character moments with the way Graham interacts with the police officer, the way the police officer interacts with Merrill, sort of like questioning him about sort of various things, like what's he been, what's he been up to? It's oh, like, oh, it's nice for you to come and spend That's some right, yeah. time. And this is where, sorry, got off on a tangent about spitting, but this is where you know we get that first little build up to where the sheriff is always calling him. Mel Gibson, father. Yeah. Like, don't call me father anymore. Not a priest or that computer from Alien Resurrection. Don't call me father. He's not Irish. Um, because obviously he's not just a police officer. A few other people in the town insist on calling him father as well. Almost like his is his just is his choice to absolve. Is that the word? Absolve his faith. Um, renounce. Renounce. Thank you. Um, renounce his faith. It's his choice based on a tragedy he's experienced, but it seems like no one else respects it. Respect my choice, for God's sake. I've already been through enough. My wife has died. If I'm going to 
renounce my <laughs> lost the so I was already a farmer busy. Yeah, I've already got a my cob's already crushed. <laughs> I can't, you know, be a priest as well. It's our work. And it seems like everyone in this town just wants their sins, just wants to confess their sins before a potential yeah, alien. Yeah, that's good. Invasion. When it when it comes up later, but yeah, the, so the, they have they have these signs that says Mel Gibson lives here. Get him. Get him. Could, could be like these aliens, especially what we find out what they're after later. Um, yeah. With like two blokes, two yummy kids, come yeah. and get them. Two blokes, two yummy kids. Um... And then does it it moves pretty quickly then to the evening, doesn't it? When we when the alien, well, yeah, not an alien at this moment. So I think at this moment, what is believed by Graham and 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 Merrill is that there are prank. some pranksters who have come and made the crop circles. And then I think after what happens this evening, they think it's some people from. Uh, a rival farm is that way you'd say Wolfington Brothers the Wolfington Brothers I said the bloody Wolfington Brothers have you ever seen one of the Wolfington Brothers climb up on top of a 20 foot house or you're gonna you haven't so now yeah Mel Gibson wakes up in the night he has some clonking about he goes and gets Meryl and says right let's go and this is a sweet little scene right where Meryl's like right you've got to run out there you well, got to run around. You got to be is, crazy. Is it, is it now that they see? First of all, they see a figure on top of the adjacent. There's like a sort of ha- side house. What would you call that? I think they see him on the roof after they've come out. Yeah, because they they think he's jumped up on the roof real uh, quick. So that's is that is this yeah. now? Yeah. So they, they he sort of says right. You're going to go out and you're going to run out there like you're crazy and tell them yeah. that they're in for a yelling ready, curse, ready ass whooping. Yeah, and it's quite a nice comedic beat in these early days when he's running around the house. Mel Gibson's like, "I'm not very good at swearing. It won't sound convincing." I've been a priest all these years, you know. I can't just suddenly start effing and jeffing. Yeah, and he runs around going, "I'm going insane with rage." Yeah, I'm going insane with anger. I'm going to beat your ass. And as they run around the house, they they come together on the other side, realizing that oh, Wolfton brothers have got away. And then they hear like this sort of scuttling. Up onto the house, don't they? Yeah, and he's like, "So on the roof." Yeah, and Meryl looks back, and yeah, there. Yeah, and I, I think when they see the alien on the roof, I swear it was before this scene because they kind of see it and they go, "They're back." So that scene, it felt like watching it in super high definition, kind of took me out of it a little bit because you could see quite a lot of what this figure was. It didn't look human. See his name tag and everything. But seeing it like I don't know on this in the cinema or on DVD, I distinctly remember being like, "What the hell is that?" Like the first time I saw it. Yeah, like a just a shaded silhouette figure almost, right? Yeah, yeah, very very creepy. Um. So yeah, obviously, how does that scene end? The wolf well, just kind of yeah, get they, away. They see that the people have gone, and then it cuts us to the next day they've got the sheriff background right in there this sheriff must be sick to the back teeth who's this who's on the phone it's bloody great it's uh graham hess again oh yeah wolferton brothers are stitching him right up just go over there yeah go go, there. gotta go over there and take a take a statement from you and this is where they have the point where you know um merrill basically says well it's definitely a guy yeah. So how do you know? How do you know it was a guy? But he's just, she's got him. So how do you know it's a guy? Ran around the house steadfast. He goes, 
know some women that can run pretty fast. Yeah, some women in the Olympics, they could jump clean over me. <laughs> he and gets a bit gets a bit sassy and he's like, fine. And then Meryl excluding gets... the opera the chance. It's really <laughs> to tell you what, this this lesson in not being <laughs> so defined by, by gender norms and stereotypes really crushes Meryl's cobs and he's he's getting one on him. His cob to crush the absolute dust in this. Got a buddy cob on. And, and then he, he says, says he's got a cough. Tell, tell you what, excluding the possibility that a Scandinavian athlete woman jumped over <laughs> me, I think it was a man still. And, it's, and then and he says, he blows his own trumpet as well for a moment. He goes, I'm pretty, t- I'm pretty fast and I'm pretty strong. I'm pretty cool. Uh, I'm pretty cool and sexy too. But somehow this guy managed to avoid me. I don't know what's going on. And I think, doesn't the police officer say something along the lines of, I've heard people can make these cornfields using rope and a couple of boards, couple of bits of fence, and then you can do the the crushing of the cobs. You can fold them down way. nicely. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's fair. They don't have a solution for it, and it's beginning to pick up. Bo comes in at this point and says, "Same things on every channel." Mm. So it's yeah. Dex, Dexter's laboratory that was on earlier isn't on anymore. Got it. Um, Fuming, wouldn't you? Oh, while the police while the police are there, one of their dogs has started to go mad and has attacked Bo, tried to kill her. So Morgan has killed it with a barbecue yeah, fork. So again, this is another very very effective sort of scene. Um, isn't isn't it when the police officer and Graham are out looking at the corn, essentially just having a look at it? It is. It's um, their, it's a first visit before the bit with the Wolfington brothers. Not really. Yeah, that's right. And the fir- and the the dog has not been has been barking a lot. I think maybe or just not not calm yeah, it's, down. It's, it's, it's it poorly. It says the dog's been sick. They take it yeah. outside and it gets cross with with both. So they go to give it a bowl a bowl of water again. Water very pre- prevalent in in this in this movie. They go to slide the bowl of water over towards the dog and then suddenly he starts growling, and um. Morgan like moves Bo behind him. He's like back off, back off, and he says no to the dog. And then we cut away. You don't really see what happened until Graham and the police officer come back, and there's like a barbecue skewer. Yeah. Got a barbecue, got a barbecue fork in it in the neck. Yeah. And this is effective, you know, because the dog, the dog died. Their family dog like turned on them. But also, he didn't mean to kill the dog. Like the dog leapt at him. It said it fell on him fell on him and so the barbecue skewer just like went through his neck trying to kill Bo and then poor little Bo is all is sat up on the on the sort of um slide thing and with her legs crossed yeah terrified it would I mean, be. this big, is like a, such a great dogs. understated performance by Abigail Breslin as well little young young actress she just like doesn't say all that much and she's got this kind of like wide-eyed almost like angelic sort of face that constantly just like is just in awe of like everything around her. Yeah. And she's kind of have the, you know, has these nice moments. And I think she's probably like a huge comforting factor for her dad. Like she says in one of the scenes when she tucks him and then that's what brings him outside to chase the Wolfington brother slash alien. She comes in and says, there's a monster. There's a monster outside, right? so, can yeah. I have a, can I have a cup of water, please? And he does. You were right, Ben. I apologize. He, looks out the window when he gives her a glass of water and there's yeah. someone on the roof because he's spy glassing in. He's like, 
people. Yeah. It's like, but that's such a key. That's such a key line, isn't it? Like I think I don't remember if that was. I swear it was in the trailer originally. It was in the trailer. There's a monster can outside I... my room. Can I have a glass of water. Yeah, which is like, do you know what I mean? That's amazing. It's just like, well, so she can see a monster, but she's really just cared about hydration. Hydration is important, you know. But yeah, her water thing, um, her water tick. So she leaves glasses of water half full all around the house. She's like, that one's contaminated. That one's got a hair in it. Um, Morgan that drank it out of that. Amoe- that one's got amoebas. Amoebas in it. Uh, that one tastes funny. That one's a weird colour. Just all that stuff. I've got an excuse for everything, haven't she? Karen does this sometimes now. So those are half finished glasses of water about. Oh, yeah. And you just go around smashing them with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. If aliens ever breaking in, we'd never be far away. Well, you know, <laughs> you've seen my big glass of drink I like to have sometimes. Then just <laughs> oh, dunk yeah, it over yeah. his head. You could kill at least 10 of them with yeah. that. Um, so going back to the TV channel, having the same thing, is that when we finally, is that like a news bulletin, right? Yeah, and it's pointing out that there are crop circles all over the world. It shows the scale of what they're looking at A, I don't think this would make the news. B, I don't think it would be on every channel. Now, hear me out. There, there are some properly, there are some weird things that seem to happen all the time, like across, you know, there are crop circle things. I think I saw a video recently. Again, I might just be going crazy because I probably saw it on t- Twitter where it looked like a plane was like just completely stopped dead. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Up in the, up in the sky. These things don't make the. I don't think they make the news because you know they're like unexplained weird phenomena that could potentially be fake. I just don't think that someone's going to go. There's like nineteen different crop circles over the world. You'd just be like, it's a, it's a group from across the world who have coordinated their efforts into making these. And I think the police officer does say something along the lines of that. Yeah, is no. it a coordinate? Is it a coordinated hoax? Coordinated Especially with the internet nowadays, you you think that would be straight away? They'd be like, oh, they've obviously oh, yeah, got, like these got days, a blooming Discord. They've got they've got a Discord going. <laughs> and they've really the different thing here is that there are like lights and like individual objects that seem to be like hovering above. And that that team. comes in shortly, isn't it? They're like doing they yeah. first do the crop circles, and then the next bit of news is that there are lights in the sky above certain cities. I think they talk about um, and the mm. Mexico City comes up with a party in a bit, but there are. Um, possibly that's the same sort of Central America where there are lights that begin to be spotted in the sky. Both countries' governments that are involved are saying nothing to do with us. And mm. it kind of very quickly escalates this um, feeling of that there are aliens involved in it. They go to town just now um, and... Um, well, they're there. There is the man in the bookshop that feels they are mm-hmm. it's to sell sell soda pop because it goes. I've, I've seen, seen twelve nine. Was it? I've seen eleven soda commercials since they've been this news program. He's fuming. Yeah, he doesn't not 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 a fan. So he he's working through those. And this, I guess, this is the time they they go to town. Morgan gets some money for books and immediately zeroes in on. Getting some, you know, Ladybird's Big Book of Alien Aliens. Big Book of Aliens, yes. You got any you got any uh, books on alien alien life? Yeah. Um Graham goes to the pharmacy and Merrill goes to like army sign up. 
place. Not yeah, he talks about maybe probably is. talks about maybe joining the army at the recruitment office, um, and then have a conversation about um. They have a conversation. Oh, hey, aren't you, aren't you, Merrill? Weren't you like the home run king? And another person ch- chimes up, like, yeah, but he's also the fuck everything up king. Yeah, he also striked out like the most strikeouts as well. He just more than any two other players bat, swings that bat as hard as he can. And sure, he got some amazing home runs, but um, yeah. And I like I like the bit where he kind of like pretends to <laughs> pretends to whack him. Any yeah. legs? Ah, uh, maybe flinch. Major. Now, flinch. now I get, now I get a free hit on you. What? No, <laughs> that's how it works, mate. Oh, made you flinch again. That basically means I own you now. Uh, yeah, soz. And when, um, so when Graham goes to the pharmacy as well, the young lady working there completely ignores the fact that, that he's no longer a priest. I think he even says, "Don't call me father. I'm no longer a priest." And no, she just but, like, you know, doesn't I, react. She just says. I'd like to get some stuff off my conscience, though. I say shit and bastards and douchebag. Um, yeah. I think that's that's the extent of her sins, right? He's talking. She's talking about things. She doesn't talk about giving people wristies and stuff, right? <laughs> no. I don't think she does. Does she talk about some sort of sexy time? I'm not sure. But basically, God, just say a couple of Hail Marys and get on with it, innit? Yeah. Don't go hunting she... down a priest. Worries about worries about the swears that she's been doing, and then when Mel Gibson meets everyone, pizza. I feel like this isn't an adequate amount of time. He says, "Like meet meet for pizza in fifteen. Yeah, fifteen minutes to do all this stuff. It's pretty. I'd be like, what? sign up for the army, find a book to buy. You've got to go to the pharmacy. Yeah. Oh, so he goes to the out. pharmacy to get uh, Morgan's asthma medicine. Asthma medicine, right? Again, every single plot point and plot device, and every single Mo, you know, character trait is key to something. There's yeah, this it sets up something else without feeling heavy-handed or 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 or, or Chekhov's. You know, you're not looking yeah. at it going Chekhov's asthma. That's Chekhov's asthma medicine. That's Chekhov's. <laughs> yeah, like we, we have we have the glasses of water and the baseball history and the mm. all these other things, but at no point and from a from a narrative standpoint, those are technically all of Chekhov's things. Yeah. But it never feels particularly on the nose. There is so much here in it that you don't find yourself thinking, well, that's going to be back. That's going to be a thing. Yeah, that's you don't give it a second a thought, thing. really. Like the water stuff, I mean, first time I saw this movie, I don't think I gave it a second thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next time you don't look at it like, oh, yeah, God, they're setting up this for later. It just feels like a very organic part yeah. of, of, of the story. Kind of a natural progression. The last bit we get in town is that um, a man pulls up M. Night Shyamalan himself. And don't worry, it's not a mistake. The director hasn't accidentally put the camera on backwards and filmed <laughs> himself just driving to set. He goes, there he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but he's, he's he's meant to be in it. He's done it on purpose. He is yeah. the character who, well, we I think it's made fairly clear. Is well, I don't think him. we know at this point because I think someone just says, "Is that is him? That, is that him?" And they say yes, and then he gets in the car. He has a good look at Graham and goes, "No nah, thanks." Really? He, he he's he's off. He's on the way because like the nature of how 
uh, Graham's wife, Colleen, and the, the mother, obviously, of the kids died is only like, we only get little snippets of it. We see like these little moments, you know, where, so M. Night Shyamalan plays a character called Ray Reddy. Uh, what's he ready for? Not driving. Not, not driving home late at night. Not driving home late at night. So we see like a moment where um, Graham's approaching like uh, some flashing lights. There's obviously been a car accident and that's it. And then we go back to the story. So everything's kind of just really, we, we just dip in and out of it and we're not given the whole picture until other things kind of come together. Whenever things come together, all this talk of coincidence and fate and, you know, the all of those things, there's a, obviously a discussion that's had between Graham and Merrill as well where they're talking about it. Um, Do we see, I guess, in the scenes that follow this one, we see things continue to continue escalate. To escalate so yeah. the, the kids um, um, in particular... Um, are looking, Morgan in particular is looking at this alien book that he's got from the shop and he's reading into it. Before you know it, the image behind me, they're wearing, the kids are wearing tin foil on their heads. When they first get back from town, Morgan has got one of those old baby monitors and it begins to pick up a signal, which at first, and I kind of, I love this bit where Merrill is basically saying, hey, this is a conspiracy. Lots of other people who've never had girlfriends, um, <laughs> yeah. girls can be. Uh, crop circle weirdos too, Meryl. Um, <laughs> lots of people who um, have never had a partner have been uh, are making these up. Some other people will think other nerds will think they're cool. They were doing it twenty years ago. They're doing it now, and then it's so great from a storytelling perspective to see Meryl get into this as the Morgan yeah, holds so up the thing. Well. Before you know it. Um, Graham is going to let go of the walkie-talkie as it begins to pick up a signal. And he's like, don't, we'll lose the signal. We need yeah. to... And, and they're hearing baby like these um, like these creatures like clicking and going, oh, <laughs> to, to, to discuss with each other. Well, um, yeah, it's them. So they're, they're, all, they're all talking about that over the baby monitor and Boken and, and uh, you know, Bo's baby monitor and the others can hear them. Hmm. Um, but this then escalates. Um, Mel Gibson has kind of insisted that the the family aren't watching the TV or the radio because they don't. He doesn't want the children to be scared by the news, but they accept that maybe they watch it just for a little while or see what's going on for the news. And you see the family kind of sucked into this discussion while Morgan is also reading the book that talks about the origins of the aliens and has proof if you like and that that kind of exceeds and and continues to grow in its stature over the course of the next movie by the next morning Meryl has moved the tv into the under the stairs cupboard so the children don't get obsessed with watching it but at the same time is obsessively watching he is like there's one bit where he's like falling asleep behind the, uh, you know, in front of the TV and he wakes up and immediately is watching it again because it's like the endless news cycle of terror. I think when Mel Gibson next comes back, Graham comes in, he says, the lights in the sky have gone, but the things are still there. And he, mm. we don't even see this, but it is so perfectly recreated that you can picture it in your mind of a bird flying along 
hitting what is an invisible wall and then yeah. falling falling downward. Yeah. And that's the thing, like Meryl's getting suitably obsessed with everything. Um and you know, we are as well. You know, we're we're right there with him, like trying to find out all more because um all, again, all the little sightings of these of these alien creatures are sort of just drip fed throughout the movie. And there's obviously is this where we see Graham going out into the cornfield again at night and hearing sort of some Yeah, we get like So a... he's like he's like being really cynical as well, and at this point he's just like Oh why? Aliens. Go away. Yeah. And then we Rubbish. see and then we see him, yeah, and yeah, that's it. He he hears another sound and he goes out at night and he is verbally trying to confront what he believes is the situation, right? He says, um Yeah, I think this is after the evening where he's had a conversation with Merrill and he said, Oh, can you give me some kind of comfort like you used to do? We've had a we've <laughs> yeah, had a yeah. we've we've had a bit of a flashback to what originally happened. Yeah, we haven't seen the full breakdown of it yet, but we've had the piece where he's spoken to the sheriff on the day his wife had been hit by the car six months ago now. And they've said, do you understand what has happened? She's been, I think, does it cut up this point where it says, which ambulance is she in? She says she's not in an ambulance. Yeah. I think that's not an ambulance. She's, just, she's walked home. Yeah, she's back actually. She told me not to bother you. Um, it's not that, not that at all. <laughs> Much worse. Um, yeah. But this is where, before that night, I think um, Meryl's had a conversation with Mel Gibson. Oh, you know, can't give me any sort of comfort like you used to. And we get possibly one of the, you know, the speeches of the movie, right? Which is, mm. there are a lot of people that see those lights in the sky, and you know, they think that they're worried because everything that's happened to them is, if it's luck, it is a, a turn, a, a happy turn of coincidence. It's how things have happened and they see those lights in the sky and they are alone in facing whatever it is and then there are people who see signs you think there is someone watching out for us who sees the lights in the sky and sees a miracle i'm one of the people in this in the that category that just sees it as a coincidence now mm. yeah yeah what a guts for yeah, but a gutsful. Well, again, there's all this discussion of like faith and fate and all of these things that these characters are all going through some kind of journey. Um, yeah. They start this movie in a certain mindset and they'll end this movie in a certain mindset. And, and there's trauma there as well. Obviously, we've seen Bo talk to um, Graham and say, why do you talk to mom when you think no one's listening? Does she ever answer? We see her quickly, quite a troubled child. And Morgan has those moments where kind of beginning to resent his dad. Um, He has a conversation with Meryl at some point where he says, I wish you were my dad. And he tells him after this, don't you ever say that? Don't say that. That's the thing, because Graham Hess is going through his his grief in in one way. And unfortunately, because of that, he's finding it hard to support his kids in another yeah, way in the way that them. they might want to like he doesn't listen to them and le- a little bit later when i think he begins to become come to terms with what is going on he asks to see morgan's alien book and he's like kind of scoffing says if you're not gonna pay if you're not gonna if you're gonna be rude i'm not gonna show you and it's like he says then else says you had a tone and he tries <laughs> yeah, you to had do, a tone about the book tries, and 
There is something quite effective in this book as well, isn't there? Because there's an image in the book of like a UFO burning a, a house and there's like dead people on the lawn. The exact number of them. The exact number of them. And it looks at their house as well. And one of them says it kind of looks a bit like our house. Yeah. And even that, like all of these sort of premeditated. And Morgan's had a, not Morgan, uh, Bo has had a dream and she says to Morgan, like, I don't want you to die. Um, it feels like these things, you know, things are stacking up against them. Have you got one of your feelings again? Says, yeah. And that's when Graham gets a call from Ray Reddy. Big bad Ray Reddy. Um, I mean, an unexpected call, you would say, from the man yeah. who was um, responsible, obviously accidentally, for your wife dying in a tragic accident. Yeah, and we know he wasn't drinking. He just fell asleep at the wheel um, yeah. and was, um, yeah. And he's like, I don't know who else to call. All right. But, and then, uh, yeah, and it turns out Ray Reddy said, like, I've been meaning to call you every day for six months and I just haven't been able to bring myself to do it since the accident. Um, you know, which probably has made Graham and his family's situation worse. Like it's an unwinnable situation. You don't necessarily want to hear from the person who has albeit accidentally been responsible for the death of your wife. But at the same time it's kind of preventing them from moving mm -hmm. along with their lives. Yeah, of course. And Ray kind of says, look, I've been wanting to phone you for an amount of time. I don't know what to do. I think the world could be ending. I am going to the lake. Uh, I'm gonna, I've got a lake house. I'm going to stay there. Um, by the way, I found one of those. I found one of them in my pantry. I've locked it in. Don't let it out. And we get, another great, out. We get another great scene. And again, some cool comedy so beats he... as well. He's like, Got the paddy wagon outside. Yeah. I'm I am the police. So. Oh yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think what we can understand from Graham Hess is he's not good at like being threatening in any yeah. sort of way, and even pretending to be a police officer. Oh yeah. So Ray Reddy said he's going to the lake house because he heard somewhere that they were scared of water. Yeah. There's no. Well, it says there are no there are no crop circles near water, so he figures no that they circles. don't like it. There's no crop circles in the water. Well, I I think that means that they're scared of water. I don't know about you. I think they put crop circles, giving them it's signposts and communications. You'd think they'd put things near the water saying, not here. Not here. Watch out, please. And yeah. then that night, we see this incident where he has gone back out to the fields. Mm. If he hears more noises, we see the figures, we see the arm go into the corn. And they've had um sorry, I should have gone into thing, but we skipped it earlier. It's like, Was this bit is this bit before the pantry scene, yeah? This is before the pantry. Yeah, so yeah, he yeah. looks there and he shouts across, I'm not gonna report whatever you do to my crops to anyone. You're not gonna get famous. And then we get a scary scene where he gets kind of panicked and lost in the He drops the... his torch, doesn't he? Yeah, but we haven't had any encounters yet. And now this is where we get one after he's been to Ray Reddy's house. He goes in. And he's saying, oh, we've got the paddy wagon here and we'll give you the same deal we did to <laughs> Trying to, again, rationalise it and hope against that's, hope that's, that it's sorry, going to be a, a, a real thing, right? Sorry, Andy, that scene in the cornfield, the only thing that we didn't mention there is that he, when he turns around, you do see a little leg go back into yeah, go. the... <laughs> and it's a bit squeaky as well, isn't it? Like they, it makes a weird little noise. Little um, violin sting. <laughs> yeah, so it's these tiny little sort of hints towards like what might be um that we're not seeing it just builds so perfectly so that when we do get a good look at one in a particular probably the most effective scene 
it's that much more effective because of everything that's come before it. So yeah, in the in the pantry, obviously he's trying to get a good look at what's under the door. Shining under the door with a knife, and then I love this bit. This is a jump Again. scare as well. Great, great tension that he's looking and he's trying to see and. You find yourself watching this movie. You're angling your own head. You're like, can and he I? kind of gives up for a second. Then he goes, ah, oh, no, I'm not. I can't see. And then him. he, put the knife and he like, walks back and tries to have another go. And at that point, that hand comes out from under the door, chops its fingers off with the knife, Screeches brings it well down. Done. It screeches the claws on the claws on the uh, on the floor. Like sound. Yeah. In terms of like the the sound design is so good in that moment because it is a jump scare, but it's not like violins, like really getting us. It's just like. His gasp, the alien scratching its fingernails on, on the thing, and then the slice taking its finger os- fingers off with a knife. Yeah, it's great. It's a great, great scene. And it comes right into the back of another one because while he's away here, um, Merrill is watching the news and that's where he sees the footage from Central America, tells those children to vamanos. So, he's and, there, so yeah. they say, like, we've just got this footage in from a birthday party in Brazil. Brazil, yes. Brazil. Mexico um, we, is where the lights were seen. What we want to tell you is that this is real. That's what they say first. This is real. You just, this, we just this got is it. Real. So obviously, sure. I guess the worldwide opinion at the moment is that something very strange is going on, and perhaps it's aliens. No one really knows. It's it's very odd. This is the first evidence that there is an alien race down yeah, on planet indeed. Earth. See what can only be described as a stretchy green man. Stretchy green man. And the reason it creeps me out so much, right, is because it reminds me of, I used to love, is it Strange But True? It used to be on ITV. Yes. Presented yeah, yeah, by, yeah, yeah. Um, the guy from This Is Your Life, what's his name? Michael Aspel. Michael Aspel. And there was loads of stuff like this all the time. And obviously we saw videos like Bigfoot and videos of um like a big cat um on the moors a beast of bodmin moor beast of bodmin moor yeah and stuff like that when you see really grainy footage and suddenly it would like pause and stop on this moment and it used to really really scare me as a kid and i think that that it reawoke something like that in me that this moment even though you know i'm not in the middle of an alien invasion it just really made me terrified and i think it affected so many people because it was unexpected as well i think yeah no we expected got- to suddenly see it we get good, and Joaquin Phoenix's reaction here, where he's like literally <laughs> watching someone watch TV, and it is such a great reaction. He's like, "Oh!" Like leaning backwards. Yeah, he's like he gasping, covering his mouth. He's like, "Oh God!" Let me, children. Wa- let ah! me watch. Let me watch in that sleeping bag scene. That was I was like Joaquin. I was were, like, "Oh!" You were watching, watching what happened, and then he gets back. Same as my background image here. The whole family now have their tin foil helmets on. So the aliens can't read their thoughts. And Graham puts his plan to them that yeah. we should go to the lake. They, oh yeah, they do a little um, vote, don't they? Yeah, they do a little vote, um, and they he's he's outvoted effectively because Bo changes her vote. They go and in he goes, stay at the house. My vote to, counts as two because I'm both parents essentially, and they're like that's bullshit. Who says it's bullshit? I think. Morgan says it's bullshit. Morgan that's bullshit. bullshit. And um, Mo changes Mo Bo. <laughs> Yeah, Bo changes her vote, and then so it doesn't matter. They're going to stay at the house. They begin to prepare, and they're going to board up that house. Uh, and another film, you forget, you forget that it is absolutely packed with incredible lines. And it's like, we're going to board this house up. We're going to board up every window and door to this house. Meryl says, like, what do you think? Why do you think that boarding at the house is going to make any difference? To which he responds, because they seem to have a problem with pantry doors. And that is his 
That is the only explanation or confirmation you ever get between these two brothers that he has seen an alien. Yeah. Be the I've first thing you said, wouldn't it? Least, and I you get in there. Right up. I was at Ray Reddy's house. We're all right now, by the way. I guess I've forgiven him. Meaning but, like that. Um, bloody alien in his in his pantry. Bloody um, alien. <laughs> and and then we we get everything start. It starts getting together. They're boarding up the house. Um, and then things go a bit south between them because he offers everyone exactly what they want for dinner. There's waffles and luckily they've what well, exactly what they want for dinner. They've got in. They don't have to deliver to it. Yeah, they've got they've got a full set, so you can have French toast and mashed potatoes. You can have spaghetti. You can have chicken teriyaki, and you can have a cheeseburger. They've obviously got a well-stocked freezer. Yeah, cheeseburger. Because he says I'm having a cheeseburger with bacon, extra bacon. Extra One bacon. of them's having mashed potato, French toast. Um, it's a good dinner, dinner table, family dinner scene slash food scene. Because I think every time I watch it, I'm kind of hungry. I think it's maybe the talk of the French toast. I think the last meal, I don't know, not going anywhere near, near mashed potato. I don't know. Is your favourite? What if you're? That's true, actually. What yeah. if you're a puppet badger? If I'm a bod, if I'm a bodger or a badger, or does bodger like it as well? I don't know. I don't think bodger's feelings on mashed potatoes are ever made expressly clear. Yeah. Maybe he's indifferent. He's but indifferent. Everybody knows the badger loves mashed potato, so maybe Everybody Morgan. Knows. Maybe Morgan has got at least that in common with Badger. Yeah. Um, mashed potato one. But what oh, I God, hate about this For international well. listeners, I'm so sorry. Lost you all on that one. But, <laughs> um, We've already mentioned, what's his name? Bod. Not Bod. Pod. Bob. Pob. Pob. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm giving you all a Google workout today. Learn all about Pob. Learn all about Bodger, Simon Bodger, rest in peace, and his mate Badger. His mate Badger. Love mashed potato. Absolutely, Absolutely fucking loves mashed potato. What also annoys me about this scene, Andy, is it a waste of food. They definitely don't finish their dinner. Oh, yeah, because they have a big fight, don't they? They have a big fight, a big because... fi- emotional fight where everyone's crying and hugging. Does it begin and... where he wants to, where Meryl wants to, like, they think, oh, I think we should do a, think we should do a prayers. Oh, yeah. And Mel Gibson says, Give up your ass. Fuck's sake, I am not wasting a second on prayers actually because this is like where all of this all of this tension shit all of this tension throughout the film where mel gibson has been repressing this like former life and kind of like he's got this anger from what's happened to him that he's just like i've wasted my whole life or how he how he feels in this moment is that he wasted his whole life on faith and prayer and and god and then his wife was just taken away from him so he's just got this anger and is finally in this scene it comes spilling out and it's it almost comes like, out of it's almost like a relief for the family as well because they all start crying as well like th- there's a relief that that tension can finally come out he's, such, he's almost... it's such, such an explosive scene such an explosive scene sorry ben you were saying like he's almost um i'm not sure but yeah i think i think i, I think i made my point there he's, he's almost something yeah and it, it explodes out of the mall and then morgan tells his dad that he hates him the little girl is crying, like Bo is crying. He goes, "Stop crying!" Oh yeah, <laughs> there is a there is a great moment here when they all eventually like hug, still crying, and Meryl gets like dragged into it. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to be in the hug, but he gets in there as well. 
Yeah. And then, like, it was, well, if you're not going to eat, I'm going to try some of everything. And he's absolutely oh, yeah. breaking down. Um, yeah, he's yeah. he's breaking down. Um, it's all going through. At this point, have we had? I think we've had a little bit of an extension um, of the the death of his wife as well. We've seen um, the sheriff explain to um, to Graham that she's pinned in such a way that her cobs have been crushed, oh, but good. the um, but the way that she's been pinned by the car is effectively keeping her alive and he says do you like again i found myself you know watching this and it's a film i've seen countless countless times Mm. um maybe i'm tired but really emotional like you know found myself feeling really quite upset and saddened by this because you can imagine being in this situation a person that is your whole world is, you know, a, a huge part of your family. The, you know, the the real linchpin of like many people's existence is their spouse, and then to be told she I won't definitely... be, she she won't be saved. He goes, "Do you understand?" Like, and, and having to repeat it, which is a common thing, right? If someone, a policeman or a doctor or someone is telling you something, to understand. The that you to to confirm for them that you've properly taken in the off the information. Their training suggests they will ask you to confirm your understanding, not by saying yes, but by having to go through. And he and they the the police officer, the sheriff says to to Graham, "Do you understand what I've told you?" He confirms this is the last time I'm going to speak to my wife. Incredibly sad. Incredibly sad, and obviously. There's a lot of talk about the coincidence of this as well. And, you know, Ray Reddy mentions earlier that just in that he fell asleep for seconds. And in those exact seconds that he passed Colleen, that he crashed into her and killed her, was like it was meant it was, to be. Yeah, it was like it was, yeah, like it was meant to be. But there was a higher power. Seconds and that's, and later that's what, or before, yeah. And that's what gets discussed from now onwards is that there there is this higher power that's kind of like guiding all these things into place and again it's not necessarily a religious thing it doesn't necessarily mean that we're supposed to believe that religion is making every that, that there is a higher power there is a god there is something like that making all these things happen it's just like the our perception of faith and fate keep th- those words are similar but they're both thematically yes like, ever present during these moments and obviously he kind of thinks that Colleen is 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 saying random things in her last moments because she says, "Tell, see, tell she Morgan said, to see." He says, "Like he says, oh, oh no, tell she, Graham to see." She just says, "See," and then says, "Swing away," swing and away. like and it's tell Morgan um, to swing away. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he recounts that at some point. I think when he's having the conversation about signs, and he says, "Do you know what it means that she said that?" Um, it means that the neurons in her brain were firing and she just happened to remember one of your baseball games. One of the it random means... baseball games, yeah. It, meant, it, it means... essentially meant nothing. It means nothing. But then after this break that we've had with you know the, the breakdown and the argument over dinner, they start finishing the preparations to the house before night falls and they expect something is going to happen because those alien ships have disappeared uh, and they, yeah. they expect something to happen any time. But yeah, um, 
and they they start then to shift into other other memories and it's as things begin to escalate and it's holding a great again for me incredible direction we've had a conversation already about um the time that Bo was born and they're beginning oh, yeah. to look at the other things so he gives he's telling these stories as the aliens are like yeah beating at the, the doors and they're getting into the windows upstairs that Meryl's then that they're in the house and he's telling Morgan what happened when he was born mm. uh, you know like a lovely story and again you mentioned the the way that dialogue feels natural this feels like a you know it does feel like a performance or you know a piece of um speech writing that's been given to give it gravity Mm. But if you think about it, naturally, if you think about it, a, a priest should be quite a good orator. Their job is telling stories. Yeah. And this is him telling a story to his son to calm him. It's a bastard alien breaking into your house upstairs. Yeah. Um, I, I think a level of performance would be the expectation here, right? You're He's telling a story, a story that he's probably had in his head and recounted countless times about the time that, you know, his mom, like, she had to go for some surgery after he was born and they took him away and he wanted him to see her first. And then the, the really nice moment that's happening. Um, but they have to retreat into the basement suddenly. And they, they fucked a few things up. It's a bit like when you get ready to go on holiday and you always forget something <laughs> at the end, they've forgotten to tie the dog up. So that's another dog they've lost. Oh yeah. Because we hear you the dog, hear the dog like shouting and then suddenly guess, guess has been got by, horrible aliens and they're, they're in the house and they retreat down to the cellar and there's a very good shot here where we see the hand of the alien coming under the door um loves coming under a door these hands these aliens as they're sort of running into the uh uh into the basement and yeah. when they're in there that it, first of all the aliens trying to get into the door and they're both holding it yeah it's great again the tension of the individual and you forget there's like a pan, a real panic going on here as well because Any... you know, the lights are. They've only got torches and they're kind of like flying all over the place. The torches are going everywhere, and there's that scene where Mel Gibson, Graham is holding on to the doorknob while it's being turned from the other side. Defy anyone to say that this isn't a horror movie with moments like that. I think we've all been there, whether it's been like messing around with a sibling or, you know, actually against you know, real fears, the panic, even in non-dangerous situations when there's someone trying to hold the door and you're trying to keep them out by holding it on the other side, there is no... Are you an, are you an alien? No purer, like, battle of very basic, like, opposing forces, opposing wills, and, you know, that desperation that you feel in trying to stop those things happening. And again... A fantastic line read that has mm. so much meaning behind it. When the doorknob goes, he holds the door and he says, I'm not ready. Like, yeah. So many, like, he's not ready to hold the door. The door isn't secure. He's not ready for his family to be in danger. At points in the film, you think that he perhaps has given up on life himself to a degree as well, mm. and that he isn't ready for this to be the, the end. Mm. Um, and yeah. Meryl's there looking for something and they 
they're able to finally secure themselves in this room. They lock something in there. But as you say, you hear them banging, but not trying to get in. And then we pan over to Morgan, who stood in front of like some sort of opening, some kind of like... Um... Like a coal chute. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then right at the last second, this, this again, this is effective. Creepy hand grabs him and then everybody panics. Everybody rushes over. The, the light gets torch lights over. are just flying all over the place. Um, Meryl like piles just loads of stuff in front of the coal chute to obviously block them out, including one singular like tin of something right at the end that needs to get added on. And but of course now Morgan is having a asthma attack whilst his medicine isn't with them because they because they rushed they rushed down out. they haven't got it they haven't got it with them so yeah. they're in trouble. So. This again very tense, but Graham talks Morgan down essentially, talks him through the asthma attack. Yeah. Um it's kind of the final one of the final moments again where he has one more break. Uh he talks to, to God, we imagine, saying that he hates him. Because yeah. he is he is For everything he, that's happening, you know, he must be so he's just like had enough. Yeah. Like he's gone through so much, gone through so much trauma. He's like trauma. He's like, am I being tested? Is this a punishment? Like, what is going on? I hate you for the fact that I'm experiencing these things. Yeah, I would probably say moments like this. Am I being short-sighted? Am I missing out a phenomenal Mel Gibson performance? I would argue performance of his career. Yeah, Braveheart. I mean, depends how you feel about that film, really, doesn't it? This, this for me is the one that like I've always felt a connection to and has always affected me yeah. the most. Um, so yeah, it's just got so much, so much going on. It's it's a very nuanced and there's so many layers to the performance that it is just super super impressive. But not just him, you know, everybody, everybody else. Yeah, every like everyone, actors old and young, pull a great performance out of this movie. But this is a great, you know, another great tense and hopeless moment. But then he finds. Um, you know the serenity and the calm to be able to carry on yeah. talking um, Morgan down, and then basically they save the torch light and they they turn it off. Yeah, and I believe like they sleep for a while because yeah. there's a few hours go by and then that's when they turn the radio on, and there are reports on this radio that the aliens have just suddenly left, um, yeah. suddenly abandoned Earth. Talk and... about talk about the news though. Like again, they're like a primitive method was found to defeat. Just say what it is. Just say idiots. water, because if you say water, everybody, everybody listening will hear it and realize that that's yeah. A primitive method was yeah. That is annoying because you would just say what it was, wouldn't you? If you're reporting this, you would just say what it was. Um, it reminds so, yeah, me they... of a there's a Grant Morrison Justice League, which is the opposite of this. Oh, Grant Morrison Justice League probably just about predates this, mm. and it's again it's aliens and it's uh, white Martians. Um, if you're not up on your DC law, Martians in in DC comics, their weakness is fire, um, and they have psychic powers. They've infiltrated Earth. They're attacking people. Um, they're they're about to slaughter lots of people, and then they cut the Justice League can't get everywhere, even with their incredible powers. Ben, 
they can't get everywhere to fight them all at the same time. Um, so a broadcast comes from Superman himself, inspires the people of Earth that they have the power and says, oh, and, yeah. and he broadcasts the message to everyone. And it has to be Superman because he, even though people have been influenced by psychic things to make them distrust the Justice League, the message that Superman brings breaks through and he's able to say, these people are attacking you. We are coming, but we cannot get to you soon enough. But you can protect yourselves. Their weaknesses fire. Do not be oh, afraid man. of them. You can get them. And then you see people on the streets light. And this is the bigger scale that we don't see in this intimate movie here, bringing it back to the thing we're talking about rather than the exciting world of the Justice League as well. But you see in these panels of comic um, people lighting newspapers on fire and these aliens that have been like butchering people in the streets all of a sudden cowering as people are towering over them with with lit torches and so on. You can imagine on a global scale this kind of thing happening when people establish these aliens' weaknesses and they all of a sudden become um, not the the aggressors, but you know, all of a sudden outmatched by this weakness that they have. Um, and then I can imagine very difficult and joke answers on the weakness from the signs have been done to death. You know, they have attacked a world where a substance deadly to them falls from the sky. In a lot of they countries, did their research mate, did they? Uh, you know, they came down, and you know, maybe they just came down. They were like, oh, this looks nice, lovely. Yeah. Some, What's that? What, what are these big bodies of blue liquid? Or wear Max? That'd have been fine. Don't need to worry about that. Yeah, they would have been fine. Um, so we kind of think in this moment that it's kind of died down. It's the end. Perhaps the threat is averted, and I just absolutely love the way that it's revealed to us that no the threat still lingers yeah um and obviously everyone they go well, everyone goes back up upstairs start i don't know if they start like taking off the boards yeah they start they're, um, start, they're basically celebrating there's nothing on the radio and again you've talked about how everything's deliberate in this movie um it says on the radio they've left behind that they, they've they've rushed away suddenly they've abandoned the planet injured. people were People were worried that this was an invasion and they're coming to terms now that it wasn't an invasion. It was a raid to mm. take people. It was a raid to take people because they use us for food or something like that. But then they've had to leave suddenly and they've left people. They've left some of their stragglers behind. Yeah. Get that just as Mel Gibson brings the TV through and this amazing reveal you get in the reflection of the TV. He's he's there and he's got he's got Morgan, the very same alien with the missing fingers that's broken. Yeah, I just out love of that shot. So Ready's the shot of the TV is great, but also the shot where he just zooms in on the fingers. So we realize that it's the same alien that had his fingers off. Uh, I wonder how he got out of the pantry. We'll never know. Um, maybe he's come here with like a score to settle as well. I was like, you take my fingers, I'll take your son, mate. You all right? Have it. And here is where it all just comes together in like an exil in it's exhilarating. It's it's just it's so exciting just the way it, the way it comes together because you realize these things as well. It's not like this film is, doesn't give you the chance if you've never seen it before to work things out yourself. I bet this is what's going to happen, and I bet this is how it's going to come together. This yeah. is just it's, it's it's just perfection. So for me, anyway, so intelligently made. It has that real um, 
Dr. Watson moment. Like uh, in classic Sherlock Holmes stories, the intention of Arthur Conan Doyle and the intention of the, the Watson character is that he should get it mm. about a second after yeah. you, the reader, get it. Yeah. And and the reveal here comes, and it's from a quite ponderous, slow moment, right? Because we get, the, I guess, the final visit to when we see Graham speak to his wife for that last time. And yeah. her words, which happened six months ago, tie all of the all of the things together. Like um, I forget what her advice. Oh, tell tell Morgan to play games. Not it's not good to be serious. Yeah, yeah that's all right. the time. Tell Bo to listen to her brother. Tell and then she tell tell Graham. So tell himself because she's confused. He's not you know. Tell Graham to see see the signs that he needs to see in this situation, and then that advice to Merrill. And then we flat we're cutting back to this um intense standoff with a family and this cornered alien who you know is clearly threatened and scared and is holding Morgan hostage uh, as a I don't know is it they can't communicate with each other it's clicking and making noises but mm-hmm. is it bartering for its you know its own survival its own way to escape is it there because it has had its fingers chopped off because of Ray Reddy who they've been surveying you know the they are aliens that can travel through space, so they're not monsters. They are intelligent creatures. So it's an enemy soldier, effectively, yeah. um, in your in your house, having lost a battle, doesn't necessarily have an escape route and is a, a desperate situation. And we see, you see as an audience, Graham see those signs and put all of the and put all the points together. He tells Grant, he tells Merrill to swing away, and he does hammers him with the um hammers him with the yeah, bat just... knocks him backwards and a bit of water spills on him. And then so we just realized that the, weakness. That thing that we thought Colleen, sorry Andy, but that bit that we thought Colleen was just a, some firing of neurons where she was misremembering something or remembering something, sorry, is relevant to this moment. Tell Merrill to swing away in this moment of great peril um, where Morgan's life because obviously the aliens start spraying the it's got like this poison gas that comes out of a little thing in its wrist yeah straight into straight into his into his nose and mouth and it's just it's it's almost like yeah it just asks those questions of like you know mortality and stuff like is everything already set out in front of us and somehow having that near-death experience of course near death but having that 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 experience of being so close to death somehow the the path of everyone is 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 out in front of you and in a way you've like honed in on something that is going to help you survive in that moment yeah it's just it's fascinating it really is and uh, there's such a wonderful moment of this how everything has been deliberate that predetermined nature um anyone who listens to this will probably have had several clues along the way that I'm in no way a, a, a religious person. It's okay to have a little faith. I don't have that myself, but this is a yeah powerful, powerful message about Again, it's a, things sinking into place. It is a powerful message, but one that almost seems like 
separate from religion in its way i mean like yeah what's the, what's the word agnostic where you kind of yeah it's not uh it's not uh necessarily a sense that this is god old jc up in the clouds giving giving graham a little salute saying thanks for your service buddy i've set this up to help you yeah it is it is more about the nature of things fitting into a pattern and there being a reason for things happening Hmm. because it leads to the the perfect outcome in this case and it does meryl grabs the baseball bat swings away and then we see the last piece of the puzzle sort of fall in place as it falls against the tv cabinet some of those glasses of water that bo has been consistently leaving everywhere spill on him and it clearly like burns the flesh on, on, on this alien it really hurts it badly so you found this weakness and then right. i love this little shot here where the rest of the family go outside and Bo immediately goes back to look through the window and we go yeah. follow them outside then we sweep back in through the window here to see meryl basically now standing up to this alien but yeah this is another another shot as well where we see all the half half full glasses of water half full or half, half empty half full uh glasses of water and obviously then we realize as well like oh my god even that means something mm-hmm. even that that like just felt like a sort of this character trait for Bo now is suddenly a really key part as well almost like she knew in some way that that was what that was going to be needed too and yeah set up perfectly smashing the glasses of water in the alien's face, burn the absolute shite out of it. We get a nice POV shot as well of the alien as it falls and the last glass of water falls on its face, burning blah, blah, blah. It's probably good that we saw it that way. Probably a horrible sight for Merrill seeing this alien getting its face burned off by... I feel like he's a couple of guys get, get, get kicks out of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then Graham administers the asthma medicine to to morgan and as he's doing it he's like saying his lungs were closed because he had obviously the asthma attack his lungs yeah, were closed they, none, they, none they, of the they poison, poison gas got in. got in um and again perhaps in a way that moment is an intervention from from a higher power yeah um and that's it right we don't get a we don't get another and everyone in the town lives happily ever after it's well this... yeah that's pretty much the end but there is a sort of a months later bit when it's snowing outside and we realize that graham has returned to the church but this is the thing does he believe that that happened everything that happened was an act of god and now he believes he's back to his old self or did he need to go through this to order to rediscover that faith so essentially he's rediscovered the faith he had before but all of these happenings he hasn't necessarily attributed it to be an act of god not sure enough can go mad, Ben. I don't remember that scene at all. Oh, don't you? The one of the snow. Is it on the right at the end? Is it, is it on like an unrated cut? Or is it mid credit or no? No, I think it's pretty much right at the end. That's he, he, he kind of steps out, and you, I think you hear kids in the playing outside. It's almost it's almost very similar to the first scene where obviously he wakes up, and then he's like, "Oh my god, I can hear the kids outside." This time he just I think he just comes out the bathroom. Possibly, who knows what he's done in there don't remember that at now. all. Maybe I stepped away and thought, oh, well, that's the end, which is odd. I just don't remember that bit he's at back all. To the church. He's back to the church. He's oh. got a little collar on as well. Um, you said that. Now the collar does sound familiar. Don't know why I blanked on that one. Maybe it's late. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's that's the movie. 
Yeah, that is that is the movie. So, uh, and what a great movie it is. Have you got any? Uh, have you got oh, any name games for me? Oh yeah, I've got a couple of name games for you. Do you want to round robin it again as as is tradition recently? Uh yeah, go on. Um, so what's the what's the synopsis for for the signs that we get up here? The, the synopsis is a widowed former reverend living with his children and brother on a Pennsylvania farm finds mysterious crop circles in their field, in his fields. Okay, so a family living on the farm finds mysterious um, appearances of evergreen trees in his in his fields. Pines. The pines, correct. The pines, Chris Pines. Not just pines, it's not signs, it's not the signs, signs, so pines. <laughs> Okay, a widowed former reverend living with his children and brother on a Pennsylvania farm finds a mysterious pile of letters um on on his welcome mat from all the times that all the times that he parked terribly oh, no. uh, in the town. Huh? Fines. Fines. He's got some fines, yeah. Um so a family living out on a farm in Pennsylvania finds um Mysterious kind of uh, quilled rodents have taken residence in his in his crops. Quilled rodents, yeah, rodents with sort of large rodents with with quills that they use for defense. Uh, spines. So they they have spines. You could argue they have spines. Porcupines. Porcupines. Yeah. Oh, got layers to it. That one got layers to it. Porcupine spines. Porcupine <laughs> spines. Okay. Uh, a widowed former reverend living with his children and brother on a Pennsylvania farm finds a mysterious visit from uh, a famous acting family, including Ralph, Joseph. I think is it, it was a Ranolf as well. Is it also fines? <laughs> it's also fines. Yeah, correct. Um, so um, a family living on a Pennsylvania farm um, find mysterious crop circles in their fields which suggest something more frightening to come and based on a book that their son reads um, it can only be um, they can only defend against this threat by really polishing um, really polishing all of their silverware until it reflects the maximum amount of light uh, shines shines that's what you need <laughs> shines yeah there we go uh all right, I got one more. Um, a widowed former reverend living with his children and brother on a Pennsylvania farm find that none of them can just stop moaning, no matter what's happening. You know, I mean, aliens are invading or whatever, but they're just moaning constantly. If anything, it's annoying to be around them. Even him getting angry and going, "Stop crying!" is uh, doesn't... stop crying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have some. I'm gonna have some everything. Gonna have some mashed mashed taters. Yeah. Um, that is wines. Wines. Correct. Um, so a, a former priest and his family living on a Pennsylvania farm find crop circles in their in their fields. And the only thing that helps them relax is little things they can hang up to jingle in the in the wind and really send some soothing ambient noise. I think there might be some of these in the film as well. Chimes. Chimes, correct. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. You got you got any more? That's it. That's all I got. Got That's another couple. Got, for you. got another couple for you, Benny. You go then. Oh God. So, uh, family and his family, uh, former priest and his family living on a Pennsylvania farm, find their fields suddenly beset with 
people who on a digital scale are pretty close to the top in terms of their looks, but not quite perfect. Only just slightly off perfect though. On a digital scale? On a digital scale. Or using a I guess a decimal scale that, you know, goes up in goes up in factors of ten. In factors of ten. I'm not sure. So on, my brain on, on, on a scale of ten, they're pretty good, but but nines. they're not quite perfect. Nines, really nines, aren't they? <laughs> nines. Um, yeah, nines, and then finally, a former priest and his family living on a Pennsylvania farm are shocked when their fields are suddenly inexplicably filled with multiple copies of a one of Europe's largest rivers, which flows through the borders of Switzerland, Germany, um, Austria, etc. Oh, God. I'm not up to speed on my rivers. Uh... <laughs> not, not, not up to rivers at 10 Fine. to 1 in the morning. Rhymes. The river nines? It's, rhymes? It's rhymes. Rhymes. Yeah, well, I never got it. Very nice. There we go. There is your name game. There we go. Uh, Time to rate the film, I guess. We we've obviously been pretty much gushing about this film for right. Um, how would you rate this film? Because I've I don't know how you feel, but the way we've been talking about it, it's like we're going to give it the highest highest rating possible. But I'm I don't know. I think it'll go the highest possible, but it is going to be a very strong rating because, um. By the nature of the fact we're covering this, this film is 20 years old now. Mm. Um, I haven't watched it for a little bit of time. It's been a few years. Mm. But I really think that it I, I really think that it's still held up. I see the criticisms that the dialogue doesn't seem natural, but that doesn't really take me out of it. Like I enjoyed, you know, let's let's look at it with recent eyes. I found some of the dialogue incredibly powerful and incredibly moving in films like, again, got a priest in it, got a good orator. Um, uh, Midnight Mass. Was any yeah. of that dialogue even remotely natural? No, it felt yeah. very written. Like, deliberately, it was had some gravitas to it, a bit of panache, a bit of pizzazz. A little, you know, it's been heavily punched up. This is a written program. Mm. And the same is true with this. I found it incredibly effective it had some good emotions i find the puzzle box element of it and everything coming together immensely satisfying again we spoke about the the taste that maybe well gibson is actions that follow but i i really try to separate that from how much i enjoyed the film it's bigger than one person that's in it and for his personal things that have been going on and everything else he acts really like his acting and his performance in this film is is a really good one. I think I'm going with I'm going with an A. I wonder if I put a minus in there from a horror sense because there are more horror things you could do. Yeah. No, yeah, from, from, a, from, from a horror sense I think, yeah, I'll, I'll go from an A minus when I'm rating this as a horror film but it's incredibly effective. I think it's an excellent movie. Yeah, and no. this is if you need any reassurance, or if 
M Night Shyamalan is looking for, you know, you know, if you need to look up and say why is this an iconic horror director of his generation, look no further than this. I think yeah. it's his. I think it's perhaps his best horror work. I think it's his best horror work. I think it's his best film as well. And I think I'm going to join you on an A because I don't know what's stopping it from being like an A plus. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe some maybe some of the dialogue things, but then again, I've seen it a lot and I'm just so used to it that, that it doesn't really bother me as such. Maybe just slightly less in terms of a horror standpoint that, sure, it's got some of the most effective scares, but it isn't all about that, you know? The, 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 thing, the things that are so effective in this is the family dynamic, the family drama, um, and all the stuff about coincidence and fate and faith and that is all just as important as the, the the creepy stuff and the and the yeah jump scares and unconventional jump scares as well like jump scares that you wouldn't get in like a film that was pushed towards as being just horror um mm. these are jump scares that feel organic and feel like they have a place in the film um so yeah i'm gonna have to go for an a i've always as i've mentioned i've always had a a, a huge connection to this film i've always enjoyed it and yeah it still gives me goosebumps now, which I think after seeing it a lot in, in 20 years, I think that's something to be said as a testament to it. The fact that it can still give you those tingly goosebumps, um, which I love, you know, watching a movie, the tingly goosebumps are one, something I'm definitely looking for when I watch a film like that, where you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's cool. Or that's well done. I think cinematically it's, I don't think it's a masterpiece, but I think it's pretty close. Yeah, I love it. Great, great movie. So glad we had an opportunity to go back and yeah, we did. and I'd, I'd forgotten how much I liked it. We've mentioned it a few times, but um, I think we had to go and do it, especially since it turned twenty. It felt like the time to do it. Okay, there we go. So that was great. Well, that's one of those things when we we started late tonight and thought we'll we'll bang this out, and then we found a film we we're both incredibly excited to talk about. So that's okay. Worth staying up for. Worth staying up for. Um, past M nights, we've stayed up. Past M night, we sure have. Ray ready. <laughs> it, it, it is, yeah. I'm not going to be Ray ready to get up in a few hours' time. Well, but... I, I am Ray ready for bed. Yeah, I am. I am. I am Ray ready for bed. It's gone past past M night by a long <laughs> old stretch. So there we go. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thank you to our current patrons, who include John Crinnan, Ben Scaife, Stephen Christopher, Laura Kendrick, Toby Miller. Ollie Child, Leslie Carlo, Julia Bilgren, Nick Spill, and Pazuzu. Um, thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to Acast for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review and head over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We're on Twitter at horror underscore hangout underscore. And we're on Instagram at horror hangout podcast. Next week, we'll be discussing Silver Bullet the werewolf movie which is the adaptation of stephen king's book cycle of the werewolf and will be joined by janine pipe who wrote sausages the making of dog soldiers uh, book recently huge fan of all things werewolf so the perfect guest for that episode i've been watching more werewolf movies ben i didn't say it. i'm saving it for next week's Werewolf. are oh, you saving it i've been I'm watching more the same i've been watching got... more howlings oh you have i've got howling 2 ready to go Oh um, my goodness! For, for next week, and maybe I'll squeeze in another one or two if I can. Um, yeah, there we go. So, thank you, Andy, for being a right horror dude.
Thanks to you, Ben, for being a right horror dude. And thanks to all you horror dudes out there everywhere. Remember, we're using dudes as a gender-neutral term. Yeah, exactly. Like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would. Exactly. Just like them. Okay. See you later. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.